tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, listeners react to the report that recommends the pension age should be increased to 75. We'll discuss legal matters with our solicitor, John Lynch. The Gardaí will keep us up to speed on what's been happening where crime is concerned around the county. Pat Short is live in studio. Uh, Ali is out and about for us with the high Gene Hub, and we have gardening towards the end of the programme. And as usual, we ask you if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us, please, as soon as you can on 083 311 for text or WhatsApp. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Times leading with uh, the flooding story for the homes and businesses. Across a number of counties were yesterday grappling with significant damage caused by unprecedented flooding after incessant rain as the threat of more heavy showers in coming days uh, loomed. Right across the newspapers today as well, uh, the story of that airstrike on Gaza on the refugee camp there, killing at least uh, 50 people. Also on the Irish Times today, patients are increasingly choosing telemedicine uh, for medical treatment over physical visits to the GP, and that's according to some new research as well. And according to the Irish Times, the Irish Examiner is dominated by a wonderful photograph indeed. Rather strange photograph, though, of Katie McCabe in action in the Republic of Ireland's uh, Nations League match against Albania. Uh, play was suspended for an hour and a half because of torrential rain uh, making the pitch unplayable. But the photograph... Um, just captures that torrential rain and you can barely make out Kate, Katie McCabe there but, but it's a great, great shot. Um, also the examiner is telling us that uh, a 30% jump uh, has been recorded in the number of cases where Gardaí remove a child from the family home for their own safety and that's according to official figures. Again across the newspapers today, the Martins trial and Thomas Martins admitted in a video interview with uh, two investigators that he struck Jason Corbett with a baseball bat after he allegedly saw Mr Corbett choking his daughter Molly uh, Molly Martins, uh, that's Jason's wife, in August of 2015 in the couple's uh, Davidson home. Uh, also on the uh, examiner today, the average age of mothers giving birth in Ireland has reached its highest since records began. And uh, the number of births to women aged 40 and over has risen by a third in the space of a decade. The Irish Daily Mail, again with that story uh, surrounding the Martins, uh, claims by Molly Martins' uh, mother that she fell back to sleep during the killing of Jason Corbett have been described as not credible by a district attorney in the US court. And finally, uh, the Irish Independent, and it is dominated by just a devastating photograph of that refugee camp that was bombed by um, Israel. And it's, it's like something from a Mad Max movie or something. It's absolute devastation. And people hanging around looking at these chaos buildings just 
shattered huge crater in the ground it's it's just a, an incredible photograph um, also their story on the front page is that most employees salaries will remain flat next year but workers with in demand jobs could see their wages climb by as much as 15% so that's a look at what's making headlines today do you want to make comment on any of that and if you do uh, we'd love to hear from you, of course. 83 Now, we made reference yesterday to that new report that has recommended uh, the pension age should rise to 75. The Oireachtas Social Protection Committee says the recommendation considers higher life expe- expectancy, which has gone from 65 to 82. Now, the report also looked at new laws coming into effect, which will allow people to get higher pension payments if they... They defer their pension up to 70. One of our listeners, Tony, joins me now. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, Tony. What, what are you making of this discussion, Tony? Well, I have no doubt it's all being driven by a financial policy and, and things like that. I mean, life expectancy, they're saying, has risen from 65 to 82. Yes. I, I'm wondering over what period is that, because I'm sure... 65 was fairly low, mm. and I, I, we all remember the three score years and 10 <clears throat> and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it, it, I presume it's to try and, and, and balance the books a bit because I, I'd imagine that uh, the, the, the pensions, they're costing an awful lot of money, and uh, the, the whole thing is that people are, are living longer, they're enjoying their pension for longer, which they're quite entitled to after working for so many years and paying tax and paying for the pension. Absolutely, they've been paying into this, of course, yeah. That they've been paying. And um, I just wonder, will this apply across the board? Will this also apply to TDs' pensions? Mm. Um, We we can't have a two-tier system. If you're paying into a system that's endorsed by the state and, and basically run by the state, why are we not all in the same book? Why don't we all pay into the same pension scheme if you're working for the state? I'm not talking about private individuals paying into private pensions. That's a, that's a and, and, and do you mean, Tony, for instance, where the Gardaí are concerned, the moment you have your 30 years done, is it 30? I think it's 30 years done, you can you can retire, whatever age you, you might be at that point. You, you can Well, no, there's a stipulation in relation to that, that you have to be of a certain age. Oh, I do you? I didn't realise that. Yes, yes the, the, mm. you see, it's, a lot of the, the criteria have changed over the years. Mm. And I, I, I believe now, and I stand open to correction, I believe at the moment you have to be you can retire having reached a certain um, a, a certain. You have to do a minimum of thirty years. Mm, yes, you have to, and but you also have to reach a minimum age, and I believe that's fifty-five or fifty-seven. I, I couldn't be a hundred percent certain what it is at the moment because the goalposts have changed yes. over the years. But but either way, Tony, you would be considerably younger than than sixty-five or seventy or seventy-five. Indeed, you know. Yes. Hmm. That, w- that yeah. would be correct, yes. Yeah. But th- th- don't forget, you can serve until you are 60. Yes, you can indeed, yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, it- it's an option. Hmm. Uh, and that's the thing. But again, we have so many different pension options throughout between private pensions and the public pensions. That, hmm. that, that it-, it just appears that um, we have the Social Protection Committee uh, coming along and saying this. I wonder, would they be happy to join it? I wonder, would they be happy not to receive their pension until... 70, maybe. You know, they, they talk of deferring to mm. 70. That is presumably... And we do have people that work... Well, well you, you'll get 70. a few more bob, you see, by by deferring. That's my understanding. Well, well I so wonder, do yeah. you? Or is there an incentive to defer? There, there is. There is. There is. You mm. get you get paid more, and it works, I think, each year uh, after 66. I think you get some extra money, so, yeah. All right. 
Yeah. Yeah, but again, you have to weigh that against uh, against your things of your life expectancy and your yeah. quality of life after that. There's no point in having a huge pension if you're not able to enjoy it. Well, that, that's a very good point. Francis O'Hanlon made that point to me yesterday, Tony. I mean, I, I want out when I'm 65 or 66 or whenever it is, to be honest with you. you but know? you want to be able to enjoy it because yeah, you paid yeah. into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and uh, I just, I, I wonder at some of these, um, th- these schemes that are dreamt up uh, of course, we, we, we did have a few years ago, we had quite a good pot in the Pension Reserve Fund. That's right, and it was it was it, used, shall we it say. It was used. I yeah. think that's a very polite yes. way of putting yeah. it. I, I was thinking of an impolite way, but I, 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 yeah. I aborted that halfway through, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. Because, don't forget, that was our money. Mm. Our money, the people that paid into it. Yes. And it was used, as we'll say, and we need to look at it very carefully because I think people, having worked for however many years and paid in, they are entitled to have um, a pension and a lifestyle that that will uh, allow them to relax and unwind from all those years. But of course, the reality, them. Tony, is that you will have a you know a limited number of younger people then paying for a much older population because I mean that's really what's at the root of all of this, isn't it? Well, that- that's it, exactly. And, and uh, as your report just said in the news in relation to births of, of, mm. um, for, for, for older women giving birth over 40, yes. th- that's, that's another thing, that th- those, those children will be um, supporting m- more older people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good point, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's certainly, I think, w- we have to look at the pensions because obviously the, the contributory old age pension is... is, is uh, I, I would hesitate the word to, to use the word a pension. It it is existence, maybe. Mm. It, mm. It's it's in this with our rising costs and and. Um, Do you know what's is, going to be very interesting though, Tony? Is that in the last general election, Sinn Fein said that it would reduce the pension back to sixty-five. In fact, in contrast with you well, know the, the prevailing government opinion on this. So yeah, maybe there aren't any Sinn Fein members on the Social Protection Committee. <laughs> It will be interesting to see who actually sits on this committee and, yeah. and uh, what's, what pension are they subject to, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. it's easy to make decisions for other people, isn't it? Um, well, it's, of course, and it's, uh, especially if it's other people's money. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, we're all encouraged now to, to have our own private uh, pensions to make yes. up the... And I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think it's... It, 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 Financially prudent to do things like that if mm. if it, if you can afford it. Well, that's the point, though, isn't it? If you and can we also it. need if if we are getting if we are taking out private pensions, the state needs to recognise that some of the burden of looking after us as we get older has been taken off the state by doing this, and we should be seeing a lot more incentive, as in tax incentives, um, to, to do this and to, to facilitate things like this. If, if you want the public to look after themselves, and uh, we see the same thing with, with housing. The vast majority of people, or an awful lot of people, have bought their own houses. This is, has removed the burden of the state from housing people. Yet the, the, the interest mortgage relief and things is, is fairly small. But the, 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 the people who do buy their own houses and look after themselves have removed a huge burden from the state. And I think that needs to be recognised a lot more for people doing this for themselves, both pensions, housing, mm. health care, things like that, 
where we have these people who take this on board for themselves, they need to be incentivised to do it. And but you see, but they're not, Tony. I mean, look at carers, for example. I mean, look at the amount of money that carers are saving the state. And exactly. sure, sure, it's a joke how they're looked after, you know. Well, they're not looked after, I think, would be the thing. Yeah. And uh, they're now talking about full-time carers being able to um, make pension contributions and, yeah. and things like yeah. this. It's, it's a stopgap measure. It's something that... I suppose, has escaped for far too many years and has not been looked after. It's interesting. Tony, great to talk to you today, and you look after you, and thank you so much. Thank you for coming on with us. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Let's go to Teresa. Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? That uh, increase to 75 that is being recommended, what what do you make of that, Teresa? (laughs) Very little, to be honest. I thought at least at 65 I could retire and enjoy my little bit of life that I would have left because I think if you go 65, as they said, to 82, there won't be too many of the elderly people left to enjoy anything, I think. Um, I think it's an utter disgrace, I'll be honest. I've worked, and I'd say you as well, friend as me, has worked from the age of 16, oh, paid PSI, yeah. paid everything. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Why can't I retire at 65 and enjoy life? It's I'm after paying into that, and it's my money I'm getting back. Nothing from the government's pocket now, if you look about it, we're paying in the whole time through. So I say they definitely need to cop on a little bit. It's a wrong way to treat the elderly people of this country. And, and what, what, do you make, what do you make of it, Teresa, that they're offering to give you more of a pension the longer you hang on? Uh, do you know what I mean? And I know that uh, where the years, like after 66, say 67, 68, 69... Uh, 70, um, there will be a different rate paid for those ages. So you'd be making a few more bob if you decided it suited you to stay on in a job. Does that does that make it easier? Or Fran, it's easy to have a few more bob and not being able to enjoy it, isn't yeah. it? When you get to that age, I'll be honest, you think about it now. Mm. And I mean, you have to look at what's happening with the world. You won't see much 65, 70 and 80 year olds heading off for a holiday. They're not able. They're mm. just not able. They kind of want the quiet life to relax and mm. enjoy what they have around them. A- after working hard all their lives. After working yeah. hard all your life, you know. Yeah. And as well as that, friend, right, if you keep that age group in employment up to then, mm. with the younger age group coming up, I know they're saying that younger will be paying the pension. Mm. But yet, the younger age group is far outnumbered the older. Mm. Where's the jobs going to be for them in years to come? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, You're you taken see, now, from the now there's plenty of jobs, but I take your point. I mean, down the road, we don't know what's around the corner, really, do we? You know, so. Friend, listen, if someone said to me 10 years ago, if I knew how I was doing today, I'd say they were wrong because I definitely didn't know what I was doing today. Yeah. So this is what I say. How can the government have the audacity to deal with the Irish people and tell us what we need to do? I mean, they're taking people out of retirement and putting them back in jobs. Are they going to do the same again? Does that mean that anyone that's retired our government, I hear I'll, there's a job going, I'll take you back? And as that gentleman quite pointed out, he says, is their salary going to be affected? Mm-hmm. Now, we're, say the state pension, I think at the moment is, I'm rough guessing this now, mm-hmm. I think it's about 250, 254, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. I'm open to correction. Now, 254 euros a week isn't much granted. But I'd rather have my 254 euros in my pocket and have a bit of life and quality after it than be working up to 80 and have nothing. Mm. Because if you may, even if you took on your extra, as you say, when you get to 70, what good is it to you? Yeah. What pretty good is it to you? Can you enjoy it? You cannot because you're not able to enjoy it at that stage. 
Yeah, it's, 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 do you think it's inevitable, though, that this is going to come in? Because seemingly at the core of all of this is that we, we won't be able to afford to pay pension at current rates. Do you th- is it inevitable we'll be looking at this down the road? Friend, um, listening to the government in the last six months and the amount of money to paid out A, B, C and D, everywhere, right? Yeah. I thought we were a multi-million, com- multi-million Ireland. There's no such thing as poor Ireland listening to what was gone out in money in bits and pieces, right? Yeah. Now, does that make sense to you to spend out that money while we're here as Irish people working up to the age of 80? I mean, are they going to, as that gentleman Tony quite pointed out, is their pensions going to come in under the same contribution? Are they going to live under a non-contributory or contributory pension as well as government when they retire? I mean, it doesn't, listen, you don't make sense or meaning to the way they're after going with the finances of this country. Absolutely does not. At the moment, we're paying, as you and I are, we're paying our contributions. Why can't we get back what's ours and decide at 65, 68, that it's time for me to enjoy life, I have enough. What's stopping us from doing that? It's the government dictating again to the Irish people that you have to do A, B, C and D. No one should have to do what they don't want to do. And that's my way of looking at it. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, to quote the movie, is it not a country for old people anymore, um, Teresa? You know, is it a... Fran, I don't know what the country is for anymore, to be quite honest. Mm. Old or young. I genuinely do not know what Ireland stands for anymore because our economics, our social, everything has gone down the drain so far that it's unbelievable. You you try to make I think people in Ireland at the moment and even Middlesex are just existing to pay the bills and that is no joke even I'm existing to pay the bills and I don't mind saying it. I have you have no, how would you say grasp of saving up anything So there's no spare money you're telling me Teresa, there's nothing left over Well Fran if it is I haven't got it, the government might have it but I definitely haven't got it and that's me working still. I genuinely have not got spare money to mess with. That is the genuine part of it. If you're going somewhere, you have to save up, save up, save up. You do it ahead of advance. You can't just go and say, I'll go here this week, I'll go there next week. It doesn't work that way with people. The Irish people need to get off of their backsides and need to stand up firmly and stand for their rights. I mean, I'm standing up for my rights. I want to retire at 65, 68. I have enough of life. I have enough of work done. 16 years of age done it. I want to give the younger person the chance to come on and get my job and go in and do a job and have something for them to look forward to, not to have them have to emigrate out of Ireland. But the way it has gone, yeah. they will have to emigrate if the jobs well, aren't here. That's the, the point. But, I mean, the jobs are here at the moment. They can get jobs, but they can't see a future because it looks like most of them won't be able to buy a house or build a house, Teresa. And that's, that's it again, Frank. That's money again. Other, it comes back you know. to money. It comes yeah. back to money. Yeah. It comes back to finances, Frank. And that's why if the government can't see that and give them them opportunities, does that mean they have to buy a house they have to stay working until 80 years of age? God help us to won't own their house even at 80. That doesn't make sense. Not to me, anyhow, it does a, not make sense. A listener says, I'm 66 in two years' time, Fran. I'm definitely retiring and enjoying the time I have left. I have worked hard all of my life. And I'm sure that that's the same as yourself, Teresa. I mean, that's... Exactly, Fran. Yeah. And I'm going to do the same. And I don't care what to say. 
I'm going to take time out to enjoy what I should have enjoyed a long time ago instead of putting a roof over the head and everything else. Right. But if the new bill would see the pension age remain at 66 and allow those deferring to, you know, access the pension later, it, you you wouldn't have a problem with that if people chose to do that, I presume, if, if it was there for them. My friend, I'd love to see the, uh, the majority and the numbers that would, because I'll be honest, I think now, right, I'm at the age group where I'm talking to the 60s plus. Mm. And a lot of them are quite happy to retire. I have yet to see the person that won't. You know what I mean? Mm. I think, um, as that man quite said, I'd love to know who who were the Oireachtas members that thought this out. But that's very, I really that's, and truly would. That's a very interesting point you just made there. Now, if you go back a little bit, you said the people that you know, the people you'd be in conversation with, Teresa, they're all saying, no, we want we want to retire at 65 They want to retire and enjoy life and yeah. have a bit of freedom. Yes, they yeah. do. They don't want you know, to be working into their middle 70s. and yeah. Friend, if you're working into your middle 70s, and I guarantee you 10 years down the line, as I said to you previous. I wonder how much of this will actually change. I wonder how much of the contributions would you be extra on? Would it be a fiver? Would it be a tenner? What would it be for working them years? It's a good question to ask. What would you be actually getting in your state pension if you did work them years? No one has answered that. And would it be in a condition then that they can change, that they can decide to change it, that you could go down from five to ten or upwards or downwards? No one has actually given the actual state figure of what it would be if you were working. No one. Yeah, a lot of people on to us to tell us about the various uh, increases that the TDs have gotten over the last while as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, saying that even the increases seem to be more than what a pensioner would be getting in, in a year. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. The government is very out of touch. Are, and are, I think are people, people of Ireland need to come on with it. Are people getting angry, do you think, Theresa? Because we're, we're very easygoing as a nation, are we not? Friend, they're getting very angry. And yeah. I tell you one thing, they're getting afraid to speak out because if you speak out, you're told you're this, you're that, you're the other. Yeah. And you're afraid to speak out, which is wrong because I always say, speak your mind. You're not doing anything. We have a free constitution where you said you have the freedom of speech. And I say that to anybody. Don't ever be afraid not to speak out. Speak out. Yeah. That's for sure. You might be always right, but you, might, you won't be always wrong either. You're entitled to your, your opinion. Don't ever hold back yeah. on that. All right, Teresa. Well, it was great to talk to you today, and I, I wish you good health and, and look after yourself, Teresa. Thank okay, you. Okay, friend. Thank Thanks you. very Thank much. You Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 You now. That's Teresa speaking to us this morning. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. If you want to chat to Emma, you can text and WhatsApp zero eight three three double one double three double one, and uh, you can e- email tip today at tipfm.com. Uh, okay, lots coming into us on this, and I'll have it lanced through it, and I'll bring it to you in just a few moments' time. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on! You can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, one of our listeners says, uh, Fran, the reason that uh, they're talking about this is because uh, we have an ageing population and we won't have enough uh, taxpayers 
if uh, they'd a brain cell between them, they'd uh, try to make it cheaper for people to have more children and incentivize having larger families, says one of our listeners. Somebody else saying uh, it's a choice if you want to continue working after 66, which some of us would gladly take. Who wants to sit down at 66? Uh, nobody is making it. Well, I'd like to sit down at 66, uh, to be honest with you. 83 Podrick uh, joins me now. Good morning to you, Podrick. Good morning, friends. And good to talk to you today. Well, what are you making of this? Um, uh, this is thrown out there. Of course, the, the listener is right. You don't have to work after 66 but they're incentivizing us to do so I suppose. Yeah, yeah I suppose, look I do have a beam in my bonnet about this one because um, yeah, you, you know, an economist can say look, there isn't, there's an increasing cost for supporting people in retirement and not enough taxpayers and so forth but that's too that's too simplistic in, in my view uh, the difference here I think that people need to maybe think about is, are we mainly a society of humanity or are we an economy and of course we're neither one or the other mm. but it seems that the economic argument always is trotted out first and then society must then adjust to meet the requirements of the economy and you might say well if you don't do that there won't be money there for people in retirement and so forth i did some quick numbers mm. like first of all the the government isn't is in control of the tap for pensions and for social welfare and so forth mm. so it's a very easy reach for them to say we're going to control this because you know we, we'll help the economy by controlling this. But I just did the quick figures and just the overrun on the children's hospitals, just the overrun, would fund 5,675 years of pension or um, pension for 100 people for 567 years. I, it's That's just one project that has gone over. So if they're going to manage the economy, they should start in other areas where they are not impacted. Another, for example, aspect of this is it, it's potentially divisive because you have young people working mm. away who can never imagine they're ever going to get old. Yeah, of course. Saying, Look at all my PRSI poking it out every week here for people sitting on their backside doing nothing. But like, if you if you look at then the, the studies and the information that's out there, there was a, a massive study done in the UK and TCD, uh, Trinity, repeated it, a longitudinal study, so if you say people will retire at 75, you have to take some questions into account there. The quality of life at 75, and I don't want to depress anyone of mm, that age mm. who's listening, but it's at its lowest from then on. So what you're saying is... Do you mean in terms of mobility and... There's, there's about five different domains in yeah. it, like autonomy, control, satisfaction, yeah. and things like that. And that does vary according to wealth and, 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 and good sure. health and all those yeah. kind of things. But on average... It's at its lowest from 75 years and onwards. So the proposition being put is you work for 50, 55 years and then you get time to yourself when your ability to enjoy life is at its lowest and declining. That proposition as a social contract is just bereft of any integrity. So that that would be my main argument is, and I agree, people, I, I you know, I like working, I like what I do and, and I keep doing it, hopefully if I'm spared, as long as I keep enjoying it, and that'd be great. But I do like the idea of the safety net that if it ceases to become enjoyable, you could say, do you know what, I'm going to take a break now. So you, you'd you like that that opportunity to be there, I suppose. Yeah. Is there an element of guilt 
being foisted upon older people as well at this stage. When they keep saying, oh, you know, the younger people will have to pay for ye and all of that. But you're, that's not the case for starters because people have been paying in all all yeah. their years of, of work. But is guilt being sort of used I, here I, as well? I, I think 100%, Fran. Um, it's like people are getting something for nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that, of course, is not the case. And it's not just your PSI contribution. You built things, you contributed to things, you brought children into the world, yeah, whatever yeah. your contribution was, that's not monetary. Um, all of those, that value that people bring during their working life entitles people to uh, to um, enjoy their later life, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting what you say about the children's hospital, and, the, the, and we see it with the HSE, right across the HSE. We need some transparency. We need to see where all the money is being wasted, Padraig, that, as you say, could be put to yeah. to things like pension and, and the like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's easy to reach for the pension tap for the government to say we're going to we're going to change the flow here, we're going to yeah. manage this because they can just they can write out a circular letter and and things will be adjusted to, to match if they can get over the political hurdle of getting to do it. But in, in the major projects, and the Children's Hospital is, is obviously the, the standout one, mm. but there, there must be a thousand projects ongoing under the public sector at the moment, and if they're all 10 20% out, but they're hard for them to manage. Not hard in the sense of, you know, that it can't be done, but they just don't go about it properly. And you have developers and construction companies running off to the Bahamas with the, with the proceeds while the taxpayer pokes money into it. And then what's the first thing? Oh, we need our people to work till they're older. That's that's how we fix the economy. And it's just... Yeah, and, and you're a thinking fella, Paul. Have, have you thought, why are we accepting almost of it? Now, I know a few people are voicing their anger on it, but, like, largely we're saying, oh, yeah, well, maybe, you know. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know, I admire the French in a lot of ways. They yeah, had the, yeah. They wanted to reduce the, the or increase the pension age in, in France, and, and they literally ripped up the country, you know, uh, I wouldn't suggest we do that, but we should certainly be letting our politicians... I wonder how many people around the country have actually contacted their TD to say I'm against this. And I'd say it's a trickle, you know, besides even the notion of protest or some kind of public demonstration of, of, of anger with this. Mm. And, and the other thing, and you, you'd have seen this before, Fran, this, this is a government technique. You know, if you want to increase it to 68 or 69, tell everyone it's going to be 75. Yeah. Fly the kite, gauge the reaction. And then pick a number that the, the actuarial, actuarial people will say, well, look, you, you'll get an acceptable level of backlash if you, if you move it to 70. And so, you're, you're, you're even more cynical than I am, for, God, <laughs> for God's sake. But just in case we're scaring people out there, I mean, the pension age is still 66, and this is all a choice. And if you make that choice, you, you'd come into a few extra bob, I suppose, over the years. Yeah. Now, no, that, that's the way it is, like, looking at now. But, but as you say, that could change drastically. It could, yeah, and I saw somewhere, I don't know even if it was on your programme, somebody did the sums, and um, it doesn't really work out. Okay, if you enjoy working, it does work out because you have that pleasure and enjoyment mm, of continuing mm. to be active. But uh, numerically or financially, apparently it doesn't really work out in your favour to defer. But then again, if it did, it wouldn't pay the government to do it if you were making more money by deferring. So. Yeah, Frances O'Hanlon made that point yesterday, but she was rather subtle about <laughs> about how she made it. But she, she she just left it to be able to say, look, think about this and do a bit of research on, on, on this to see. Yeah, do the see, numbers. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd continue, Padraig, would you? You'd... 
in what I'm doing now, yeah, mm. I would. But yeah. I, w- I would invite people to just maybe, and try and do this maybe as a little experiment yourself, for the next 24 hours when you're driving around or you're going into shops or you're going into places of employment, look at the jobs you're seeing and wonder how many of those would love to continue doing that to their 75. You know, you'll see outdoor workers from the council in mm. working in terrible conditions, yeah. usually when the things like floods and we're all rushing indoors, they're rushing out to try and solve it. Sure, yeah. Would you want to be doing that at 75? You know, mm-hmm. if you're in a meaningless... Yeah. And, and labour-intensive labor jobs like, like you know, builders and plasters and yeah. all of that sort. I mean, would you want to... Well, you mightn't even physically be able, I suppose. Which or is, or even, even working and challenging... Like retail is extremely challenging yeah, in the workplace sure. because you're dealing with, with people. Yeah. Um, would you want to do that till you're 75 or would you be really anxious to get out the door at 66, you know? Yeah. Um, one, one of our listeners says, I, what I found in my working life was when I was paying mortgage and car bills, I always wanted to give up work. Now all my bills are cleared. I owe nothing. And I discovered I'm enjoying working a lot yeah. more now that I'm free. It's mad. I never expected to feel. That's a very good point, isn't it? It is, isn't it? The have to was taken yeah. out of it. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Patrick, always a pleasure. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on with us. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank good you. morning to you. All right. We'll take a break. We're back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, a listener says, uh, what amount of older people are looking after their grandchildren because of the crippling childcare costs? It's a, a sad state of affairs, expecting older people who have contributed all of their lives and then expecting them to continue in paid employment uh, because the state cannot provide says one of our listeners Um, another listener saying I love the concept of retirement at 65 and living the good life however to do this you need to have a pension payment that will allow you to do it unfortunately the cost of living alone will swallow most of the money retirement may be determined by your ability to survive on your pension therefore you may need to continue to work uh, just to enjoy uh, normal living and that's that's a very valid point as well Bill and thank you for that. Dave is with me. Good morning to you Dave. What's the crack? Uh, the crack is very good indeed. Tell me your thoughts on, on, on the pension uh, debate. I'm not really too surprised. I mean if you consider like we, and we're not the only one, there's like a lot of countries across the world um, mm. Aging, like like, aging populations, yeah. Yeah, like Japan is in a bad way with it. China's mm. not China, too far behind. Yeah. Russia isn't doing great. Italy, we can all see, isn't uh, doing fantastic either. Like, there are entire regions where there's no young people, mm. you know. So, like, it's not a surprise, but, like, would it not make more sense to make it more attractive to start having larger families again or make it, like, you know, cheaper to have kids? Because, like, I have a 12, I have a, well, he's nearly 14 now and I have a two-year-old, and mm. I can tell you, the 12-year age gap between them, it is so much more expensive to have kids nowadays than it was before. Is it indeed? And that's really obvious to you, Dave, is it? No, but it is. Like, if yeah. you consider myself and ourselves are living together, and I was only on, I think, 400 euros a week, mm. Mm. and we were still able to... She was doing a bit of part-time work, so maybe maybe five, 550 euros a week coming into the house, mm. and we were still able to rent out a house, meet all our bills, you know, yeah. live a fairly comfortable life. Like, my rent when I first moved out of home was 120 euros a week. And like my friends were telling me, Jay, that that's a bit expensive. Mine's only eighty. Mine's only ninety. Do you know? And you compare that to what people are paying now. Like, Compared to now, you're paying a thousand euros a month for a shoebox. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? 
sites has doubled in what fourteen years. You so, know, so like, you you're saying to me we need to take all of this into account. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's look, it's it's a worldwide problem. I don't think anybody's actually kind of cracked it yet because on one hand people are saying well you kind of need to decrease the population for the sake of the planet blah blah blah, blah. Mm, yeah. and on the other hand like I mean is it any wonder why you know like maybe this is the paranoid part of my brain but why so many we're bringing so many people into the country you know are they thinking long term because we're like we don't we're not you know we won't like have our... the young people to work is that is that <laughs> yeah, what you mean yeah, yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised because like if you think about it, like our, our debts are outpacing births you know what I mean? Mm. So wouldn't it make more sense to be like, right, well, maybe we start bringing in people. Now, you know, they're going to start having kids. We we can build it up again. I mean, but it it is like really insulting when you consider, you know, any time you look for money for social issues, immediately it's like, oh, we can't do it because people on social welfare are ruining your lives, even though we have the lowest, like, unemployment rate in the history of the state. Like, well, what are we, like, 4%? It's about, it's about as low as you are, you're yeah, ever going to get yeah. it. Yeah. But yes, you know, uh, they're like, oh, but we can piss two billion euros up against the wall for this, this, and this. Like, childcare, childcare is insanely expensive. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's one avenue you could look to start trying to make things a bit cheaper. Give grants to people, you know, like, help people out more. They like, help out the people who get out of bed in the morning and actually go to work, you and, know. And they, the incentives then for the larger families, you speak about childcare there. What What else would incentivize people? Uh, to have large, I mean, I mean, I know when our lads got to college. I mean, that's when it really got uh, expensive. And this is all before you know, Dave. You know, so you, yeah, you, I know. Geez, I've got all ahead of me. I know. Yeah. I'm very sure. But I'd imagine when my two-year-old gets to college age, it's going to be even crazier expensive. Yeah. Now I know you that, know? in fairness, in the budget, Simon Harris uh, looked at uh, fees and one thing and another. But uh, what what else would incentivize people to have more children at this point? Do you think? I know. I've heard like people um, kind of throwing around the idea of like if one parent was to stay at home, maybe kind of give them a wage, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You know, or throw them a few because like if you're if you're a couple living together, one person's working, the other person isn't going to get like job seekers or anything like that. And if you're married and one of you is earning even five euros over cutoff rates for a lot of different social welfare schemes, uh, you just don't get it, and that's it. Like the social welfare system in the country. I know you hear people like complain, oh, it's too good and we won the highest rates in Europe. We also have one of the highest rates of living in Europe. You know, I mean, and you, you see, like everybody sees it in the last 12 months to two years, the price of everything has gotten insanely mm. expensive. You know, try to put more money back in the pockets of people who want to have families. Because like, if I had more, I had more money, I would have had 10 kids. You know, and I know loads of people out there would love to have more children, but they can't because they, they just can't, can't afford. afford it. And, and Dave, because, what if the if, if the government or representatives of the government were listening to you now, they'd probably say to you, okay, that's fine, but look at the budget. We made some attempts to make life easier for people in the budget. Yeah, we, but what really pissed a lot of people off in the budget was, we're like, right, we're going to, and look, to be fair, if you're on a work of family payment, you get four, uh, 400 quid lump sum, that is going to help people towards Christmas, mm. you know? Mm. Uh, but an extra 12 euro for pensioners, mm. people who worked all of their lives, paid into the system. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then you see that they put four billion aside for housing people coming into the country and we've nowhere to put them. And like, I'm not trying to bang I know, I know anti-immigration yeah. drum. Like, I'm, I mean, we're, we're a fantastic people when it comes to charity and for helping others out. But we literally have nowhere to put anybody at the moment. And yet, we're saying we're going to put four billion aside. Mm. Carers didn't really get much. I mean, each carer uh, saves the state saves the state seventy five grand a year, yeah. Yeah. and they never get looked after. 
you know? Like, it'd be very easy to implement systems where uh, uh, Johnny down the road, who hasn't worked since, uh, since he left school, uh, we can take, you know, we can we can do stuff to stop him from, you know, gaming the system, but we can also look after Mary, who's got two kids with profound disabilities and gets nothing, you know? So you think it's all rather unfair and unbalanced? It's just the whole system is just too rigid. You know, it's it's just too many broad strokes, you know what I mean? That they, There are a lot of different people. What I find is the people who don't need to help, because they know the ins and outs of the system, they, they're able to game it. Now, again, there's not a lot of them, you know what I mean? They're not. Like, you know, people on social welfare aren't the cause of the ruination of our lives, you know? They're, they're not the reason we're in this. Piss-poor management is the reason we're, we're in this problem at, at the moment. But there are people out there who genuinely need help, and because maybe the partner is working or the husband is working or they're earning just a little bit, you know, over mm-hmm. uh, over the cutoff just, rate. Just marginally get, over, yeah. yeah. They don't yeah. get anything. You know, like I know people out there who should have medical cards and they keep getting told they don't have medical cards. And even there's even systems in place where I, I, I tried to claim it was a, a CARES benefit uh, mm-hmm. last year, uh, which was based off my own PRSI contributions, you know, mm-hmm. money that I paid into the system since I was 17 years old. The hoops that I had to jump through to even get that was insane. And I was even told a few times, you're probably not going to get it. Because like the person I was looking after had cancer, and they said, yeah, we know they have cancer, but they're not really that sick, are they? You know Whoa. what I mean? Now, yeah, I, so that, that wasn't said to you, was it? I 100%, yeah. I, I had to make it seem like that they were actually sicker than they actually were just so that I could get it approved. And there's a, nice. a certain TD as well. If it wasn't for his office, I was told straight out, you probably won't get this because it's a very hard benefit to get. But if I was going for carer's allowance and there was a non-contributory one, I probably would have gotten a bit easier. So it's all bureaucracy, red tape. You know. uh, there's just too many. I Look, it's like, it's like with the health system, just too many people at the top. And the people who are actually doing a good job are not incentivized to do a good job because there's this whole culture of nepotism you know what i mean like we we don't have people you know it's not a meritocracy like we don't have people at the top because they're good at what they do we have people at the top because there's nodding and winkery and right i'm gonna scratch your back and you scratch mine that's the way the system has worked for decades you know and it's it's very like i know people have worked in the health system like i mean uh care is a perfect example Mm. like some of the people involved in slodge care at the start they said I want nothing to do with it because they're trying to run like the HSE and if you try to open your mouth, they go after you. One of the reasons we don't have enough um, uh, psychologists and stuff for, for the likes of CAMS and they all went to the private sector is said because the HSE is a toxic work environment and the whole civil service is like that. Do you know, I mean, look at our, our current minister for health. He's not exactly doing a fantastic job, is he? Why are like, well, he certainly he certainly appears to be snowed under from time to time. Anyway, that's that's uh, for sure. And 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 let me be devil's advocate for a moment, if I can, I can, Dave. I mean, you look across the water at the UK, and I mean, politically, they're a basket case over there at the moment. You know? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like like I said, look, there's no there's no country out there that seems to have solved this. Maybe the Nordic countries have a better you know mm. better grasp of the social issues, but. We live in an age now where someone mentions socialism and everybody comes out with the pitchforks and starts saying, do you want us to be like Venezuela? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's a simple, it's not simple, but it's like, when you invest in people, the returns you get back are higher. But people don't want to, you know, they don't want to take that initial jump because they're worried 
they're going to piss off their base. You know what I mean? Like, if look at like look at anywhere where they implemented a four day work week. Any companies that did it, you know, they were like, um, they noticed an increase in productivity, an increase in customer mm. sa- satisfaction, mm. you know, an increase in wages. But unfortunately, if we tried to do that here, people were like, okay, you work four days, but I'm not going to pay you a five day wage. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and you know, of late, um, because well, I think it's because elections are looming. For example, it appears that the government is doing a bit of a U-turn on how they felt about capping numbers of refugees coming in here as well. I mean, if you said the very same thing that Leo and Michal have been saying over the last couple of weeks, if you said that a year and a half ago, you are branded as being far right and racist. Oh and, yeah, you're you know. a right wing racist, and you're a xenophobe. You want people yeah. to die in genocides and. Yeah, I mean, like one, I, yeah, but like, I mean, politicians change in the tune when an election is on the rise. She changed. You've never seen that before, have we? Never. Do you know, never. But never. but the problem is as well when it comes to the next, the next general election, who do we vote for? Mm. I mean, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are basically two cheeks of the same arse. Mm. Sinn Féin will most likely bankrupt the country because they said they want to go after the multinationals, and if they decide to leave, our economy will tank in the morning. Mm. You know. um, Labour are, are barely non-existent. I don't think anybody, if you held a gun to someone's head, he wouldn't vote for the Green Party. I mean, Eamon Ryan, mister, you shouldn't be driving your cars too far and he's flying off to Singapore uh, for Paddy's Day and he's flying off to the UAE. You know what I mean? Like, uh, maybe aim to, they don't seem too bad, but at the same time, well, if they get into power, will they start singing from a different hymn sheet? You know? And, you know, I mean, you're, you're a young man with a young family and all of that, Dave. Are, are you typical of people your age? Are, you know, the, the guys you would hang out with, for example, are, are, do they think like you? A lot of people I know are, wouldn't be as politically minded mm. because there's almost a sense of apathy towards yes. politics. So what can nowadays. we do about it in all the No, ways. that's yeah. it, because yeah. like, 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 if you're pissed off with your local representative, you have to wait four years to get him out of office. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And uh, particularly in rural Ireland, there's a lot of parish politics comes into play. And like, if they are doing a bad job, there's, like, there's no systems in place to get them out. You know, it's almost like they're playing the long game where we're just going to wear you down over time until people don't care anymore. I mean, like, like we don't exactly have the best turnouts when it comes to elections anyway, you know? Yeah, and uh, when you look to, to voting, for example, what, well, particularly next time round, who will you be looking, what will you be looking for? I, I, honestly, like, I'll be looking, like most people, like who's going to help, you know, who's going to do me the best deal? Like, I don't trust any of the main parties. The independents I, are probably the only ones I, I see that are, are in any way, share, or form any good to help you out. You know, and like even that, even that in itself is is what's wrong with politics. Well, they they yeah. can only help you out, say, with with you know local issues and stuff like that, and provide some opposition in the doyle by way of you know getting on their their no, their feet. No, I know, and... but like when you're like you know when you're kind of only worrying about like you know what's you're not worrying about like what's what's it going to be like in ten years for my kids. You know, you're worried about right. How how am I going to sort out my life yes. for the next month, the next six months, the next year? Yes, I the need a medical card now, or I need yeah, a disability. The guy, yeah, yeah, the guy who's standing at your front door and who's actually able to help you out with those issues is obviously going to get your number one vote. And that in and of itself is another problem with politics. It, you know, it, it shouldn't be long term. You should be like playing the long game. You should be like, right, what policies are you going to implement that we're probably not going to see the benefits for for another five or six years? 
but will you know in the end will benefit us in the long term we'll you know we'll make childcare cheaper we'll make education cheaper we'll sort out the health system you know we'll but you know, is, isn't that health. part of the problem of the five year cycles that you just there's not enough time to put you know proper things in place it's, no it's not it's like even if they started building houses en masse now we're not going to see the benefits of that for probably what another four or five years yeah so, so someone, somebody someone told me recently that it would, we'd have to build over 50,000 houses a year for the next 10 years just to get ourselves uh, to some sort of a situation where we'd be almost there but sure, we don't even have the trades people now no, uh, for no. because during the recession, they all went off to Australia and New Zealand and Canada for a better life. Of course, of course. Yeah. And I've even said it to my own young people. I was like, if you know, you don't want to do college, I was like, I'd nearly rather see you get an apprenticeship and get out of this country, which is an awful thing. That is, that I, is so, <clears throat> such a dreadful thing to, to, to feel that you need to say that, Dave. Yeah, and it's horrible because I, like, don't get me wrong, like, for all the issues we have here, I wouldn't live anywhere else. Mm. I wouldn't live in England. I wouldn't live mm. in America. I might live in some of the Scandinavian countries because. They just seem like they have their crap together a bit better than the rest mm. of us. But like, I do love where I live. But yeah, at the same too. time, yeah. it's it's nearly going back to like you know like the seventies and eighties where people had to emigrate. Do you know, and the problems are only getting worse and worse and worse. But, like, but it's a different emigration now. We have uh, far more qualified people. They actually have jobs, but they can't see a future. But you see, I think one of the problems though we have, like we say, we'll take the health system for example, is there are people qualifying as nurses and doctors, and they're leaving the country straight yeah, away. Yeah. Like I personally. What I would honestly do is, like, if you want to be a nurse or a doctor, I'll tell you what, we're, it'll be free. We'll, we'll, you know, all your school and all your training will be absolutely free. We'll give you a wage. You have to stay in the country for 10 years until you pay that back. Do you know, I think that'd be a fair enough system. And then we wouldn't have as much a problem with nurses, and, uh, you know, shortage of nurses. Right. Or but are you saying to me that's the kind of vision, uh, that's the kind of hardball we need at this point? Is that it? It is, but, yeah. but it's, we, like our, our like elected representatives don't have the balls to do it. And I mean, as well, they're sitting on a great... Look, I, look I'm not saying TDs have an easy job, okay? They probably don't. And they put over a lot of hate mm. and vitriol from people, yeah. you know, yeah. even, when they do, even when they do a good job, you know? And to be fair, we didn't come out of uh, the pandemic the worst. I mean, we come out with a fairly strong economy, you know? And they... As much as I, as much ire as I might have for Fianna Gael, Pascal, I don't know who, we could have had a worse um, minister for finance. Yeah. He didn't do exactly the worst job in the world, you know. Mm. But at the same time, we have to do hard things and they have to be able to put up with it. But they're also sitting on a wage of, you know, like a massive wage, a massive pension. Mm. They are so far removed from the plight of the common man that I don't really think they understand how hard lives are for people because I can guarantee they're surrounded by, you know, sycophants and yes-men who are saying, oh, you're doing a great job, oh, you're doing a great job, Do you know? All right, well, Dave, I must leave it there, but a most interesting uh, conversation. And thank you for your time this morning, Dave. No, thank it. you. Thank you, bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Dave, a most interesting conversation. I'm sure you'll agree. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Welcome back to Tip Today. 083 311 for your text and uh, your WhatsApp. You can email us at any time at all. And that's uh, tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, our reporter, Alison Highland, is on the road today. She's currently with a group who are trying to tackle the issues of hygiene poverty. And she joins me now. Ellie, good morning to you. Where are you, Ellie? Yeah, good morning, Fran. I'm here in the lovely home of Phil Kyo this morning. And Phil is the the wonderful woman behind the Hygiene Hub here in Clonmel. Uh, it's a fantastic organisation. What it does, it provides access to hygiene products uh, for families maybe who can't afford them. As we know, the cost of everything has gone up with inflation and the cost of living. But what some people might not be aware of is that this would cause uh, a lot of problems for, for a lot of families in trying to access hygiene products. So the Hygiene Hub is something that was started a few years ago and Phil then was behind the setting up of the Tipperary Hygiene Hub. And Phil, tell me about what inspired you to get involved and to set up the hub in Tipperary. Uh, Good morning, Alison. You're very welcome and good morning to our colleagues here, Martina and um, Joanne. Um, Firstly, it's not about me. It's about we're a team here in the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, Alison. Um, We have a wonderful Michelle Higgins who does all our social media and Jill Bateen and we have Orla as well uh, as myself. So I always say I'm just the front of house person but um, I have a bit more free time. Um, the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, uh, we started here two years ago. In, in, uh, we're based here in Clonmel and uh, we work around in the community. Um, it originally started about three years ago in Dublin. Uh, we're a registered organisation and we're totally uh, voluntary. And um, three of our members... Um, saw the need for it. Uh, one of the ladies, Rosie, who was in Human Resources uh, from the Dublin Hygiene Bank, had seen the need and how it worked in England and then uh, came back to Ireland and got two of her colleagues, uh, Kira and also uh, Sorka. Uh, but, uh, each of them have uh, in total uh, finance, a legal and a human resources background. Uh, they're all in full employment and uh, they set it up. So uh, really it has uh, grown in huge strengths and because of the total uh, operation and its governance and uh, it has now branched out to uh, seven other uh, 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 places in the country. I saw the need one day, I was looking, had a bit of free time and I said yes there must be a need for it in South Tipperary in Clonmel so I I approached the organisation, that's how it started. We started very small at the beginning, we're still quite small but um, together we have uh, donated 5,100 kilos of both personal and domestic hygiene products around locally to the community. That's fantastic. And just in terms of of how it grew then, was it that there was this need there that maybe you weren't aware of and that started kind of a snowball effect and and more people were looking for products? Is that how it started? Um, Well, I, you know, the one and only Ida Doyle, I approached Ida one day over a coffee and um, I spoke to her as, you know, she's just involved in the food or was involved in, in the food at that point in the Clamel Soup Kitchen and she agreed with me that there was the need. So from that point then uh, we set up here and 
we started going a little bit on social media and we um, people like Tesco's came on board and we got personal donations and uh, sure, we no sooner had them donated we started with the soup kitchen and then we got involved with the club and resource families and babies and um, so we just started with those initially and after that then we got involved with Martina uh, Wells here with uh, Tulsa. Uh, we have done our work with Alone and um, we also uh, have started this year with um, uh, Joanne here in Bernardo's in Ellen Park. So we're growing legs so to speak mm. and uh, there's not a week that we don't donate, I'd say, 400 kilos of the products. Yeah. Talk to me about hygiene poverty itself, because I think a lot of people mightn't be aware of the extent of it. Uh, no, Alison, um, I was I was very surprised myself. You know, you try and introduce, we'll say, hygiene poverty as such, we'll say, to people initially trying to introduce ourselves. And um, they, they really, you know, they really didn't get it at the beginning and then you say to them well if a family doesn't have income for food how then can they afford shower gels basic toothpaste soap deodorants and then 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 it uh yeah it, it they realize the extent of it so um the fact that it has huge side repercussions obviously if a person isn't clean uh, they feel isolated they tend to stay at home. They tend not to integrate into society. Mm. The big thing is that children are missing out on education, and particularly locally. Yeah. Uh, we've had several requests from schools that in the area, uh, the both the schools have seen that the children are really going through, um, I suppose, experience they shouldn't be. Yeah. Bullying, uh, inferiority. They're missing their education and um, they're they're in a cycle and can't get out of it. So this is where we hope now with the Tipperary Hygiene uh, Hub to continue with the work that we're doing locally and also to um, continue now and maybe try and just help uh, uh, with the schools around in the area and at least bring uh, the uh, children back into their education. But I must say to the people of Clomel, of the area and of uh, the the different bodies that have come on and, and helped us so much, uh, we just get €250 Euros from the Late Late Show, which we're very grateful monthly from our head office in uh, the Dublin Hygiene uh, Hub and the rest we have to try and, you know, create ourselves for the products. Yeah. And Martina and Joanna are here with me now. Martina Wells-Casey is a support uh, practitioner with uh, Tusla. Um, Martina, talk to me. I think when people think hygiene poverty, they'll probably immediately think of like shampoo and shower gel, but it's much broader than that, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. It expands very wide. Like, I mean, you know, all hygiene products are so expensive at present, as we all know. But particularly if you are on benefits and on a low income, you know, you have to prioritise maybe food. Obviously, we need food to fuel our bodies. So that has to be got. And so others would be left behind, such as shower gels. And we also fill at times have nappies, toilet rolls, washing powder. They are all very, very expensive at present, as we all know. So, I mean, people, families that I work with are very, very happy to receive those. I work with about 15 families, so I would make a call to every family every week. And that means that 15 of those families are getting hygiene products 
on a weekly basis. Sometimes uh, there's little surprises like Phil, some people might make donations from maybe Christmas present they've left over or something they don't use like hand creams or face creams and Phil kindly gives them to me and so I'm going to, I suppose, parents and um, if they were feeling low or maybe just at Christmas, I might parcel them up and they're so happy to get those to put on themselves, which is fantastic. I suppose from my uh, point of view as well, that we would um, maybe have children that would um, be moved, um, you know, on uh, very quickly. And so they may be staying with extended families, such as grandparents, aunts and uncles, you know, that they themselves may be on benefits. So therefore, um, you know, to buy if you had a couple of children landed in and you had, you know, two, yeah. two pastes and two brushes, shower gels, uh, sanitary products, it depends on the age of the child. Um, you know, so to be able to give the grandparents, the aunts or the uncles these, you know, packs every week. Because it would take a while, obviously, for the financial situation to settle, maybe to get, you know, extra benefits for the children. So it's really, really a welcome pack, yeah. I have to say. I'd imagine the sanitary products aspect of it is hugely important because you've maybe, um, often cases, vulnerable girls who are going through a tough time and going through, you know, periods is a difficult thing. So to have products like that available to them, I'd imagine, is hugely to beneficial. Totally, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, I want to go in and I assess, like, how many children are there what the age group of the children are there so then I know what to put into the bag to take into the families also I suppose maybe if we have you know um mums or whatever going into a rehabilitation or dad or whatever you're, I make up a pack then as well and I'm able to give them that pack also we have new you know mums expecting babies when they're going into the hospital so we ensure that they have everything that they need you know from baby wipes to uh cream to nappies to sanitary products for themselves to having a nice new toothbrush, toothpaste, you yeah. know, so it's really beneficial to them all. It's all, an all-rounder. It's just not for specific, you know, bringing in just, but for me, I suppose that I work in a very varied area yeah. of people, you know, and um, just to be able to give them all that, it's it's fantastic. Are you seeing the need for it really increase? Oh, totally, totally. As I just said there, like, I mean, the, you, uh, you have to buy food. Yeah. Food has to be prioritised over everything else. So therefore, as Phil had said, you know, that there'd be a lack maybe of, of, of hygiene products being bought. Well, there is a lack of hygiene products being bought and cut down to the very minimum, which impacts on the children going to school, as we just said. And, you know, and children being children, they will say, I don't want to play with so-and-so, you know, because they, you know, they're not clean or, so, yeah. you know, children will say things straight out. Whereas if you have all these at hand, it's so easy, you know, to encourage parents to, you know, to shower, wash, you know, clean their teeth, especially, you know, and also, you know, to clean their house. And I suppose that if people are feeling they're, they're in a low mood and they're not in a great place and I'm going in to visit, you know, it's great for them, you know, to be given them with the products. So they really haven't an excuse then. They have yeah. to kind of get up and do it. And, you know, and it makes them feel better and gives them more confidence, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Fran, Joanna Gorman is also here with me. She's project leader with Bernardo's here in Clonmel. Joanne, what's the response from families then when you're trying to, you know, give these products out to them and let them know that they're available? Yeah, I suppose just to give a bit of context, last year, Bernardo's worked with 20,000 children and their families across Ireland. And in our project based in Elm Park in Clonmel, we worked with over 260 of those families across South Tipperary, but mainly Clonmel families. So we support uh, families practically and emotionally, and some of the practical support are food hampers that we give out each week with the non-perishable items. But as Martina and uh, Phil have just said, um, we don't have hygiene items to support them with. It is the basic food items that we give out. 
so when Phil came on uh, approached us last summer um, to ask if she could partner up with us and support us, we were delighted. Um, I suppose we've seen an increase in need for the food hampers. Food poverty is a real thing, but hygiene poverty is also a real thing. So to be able to offer that to families now is really great. Um, I think we've all said, you know, we, we had a chat in the project one day when Phil was up about we can't underestimate what it means to people's self-esteem and their yep. confidence to be able to have a shower with shower gel in the morning, brush their teeth with toothpaste, send your children off to school clean. And I think we do see it across the board that, like Martina said, maybe a child is isolated because they're not clean in school or they're presenting again and again unclean. We don't want any of the children we work with yeah. to be going in and experiencing that in school. But definitely families have gotten used to the hygiene products. We see an increase in the need for it. And they're uh, at first we're a little reluctant because they would say things like, "Oh, give it to somebody more in need than I am." But they're all in need. Like we see parents who are going without food themselves to feed their children. They're not heating their homes in order to feed their children. So hygiene products are not a priority on their shopping list yeah. because they are so expensive. And we all are living in a cost of living crisis at the moment. But we definitely see the impact on the families that we're working with. I remember being up in Nina a few months ago and they were doing the food hampers for families. They do them there every week. Fantastic organisation working up there as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they were saying to me that there's still a lot of reluctance and maybe even sad to say a bit of shame involved in it from families who are looking for help. Are you finding that as well? I suppose originally when I started with Bernardo's a few years ago, um, maybe not as many families would have uh, taken the food hampers, but now we pack in the hygiene products yeah. with our food hampers. And I would say we have about 45 to 50 families open to us at any one time. Um, most of them take the food hampers and I would say about a quarter of them are availing of the hygiene products. But week on week, we see an increased need for that. And that's to do with the cost of the products. It's a sad indictment on this country, isn't it, when there is such a need. Can I ask Martina and Joanne, both of you, can I ask, it's something we all probably take for granted, just the, the ability to be able to brush your teeth and have a shower and be clean. At a very basic level, what effect does that have on a child to have those products available to them? Well, again, as, as we spoke about, definitely they're going into school and they are, you know, washed, their teeth are washed. Um, I suppose, you know, again, I, I'd go to families maybe that would be in a low mood, might be in a good place at that particular time. I suppose I'd be different from Joanne, like we wouldn't, uh, I'd be going in there and I'd have the relationship with each individual family. Mm. So, you know, I would know the problems within the family home and I would be able to say like, you know, that they need this and I'd know what they would actually need. And, you know, you would see the difference. Definitely, you know, but to a child that that can't brush, basic brushing the teeth, that's 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 massive. It is yeah. massive, you know, and, you know, we hear it, you know, every day from dentists, you know, uh, uh, teeth hygiene. But, you know, it might not be practice and then they might have got out of the practice because they hadn't products. Yeah. Do you know, and I would have come across that, uh, you know, a, a lot, you know, whereas now you're getting in and you're kind of going in, are they brushing their teeth? You know, are you, you know, yes, yeah, are they yeah, doing yeah, this? Yeah. yeah. And, you yeah. know, so, yeah, and they are, you know what mm. I mean? They, they'll follow through, which is yeah. great, you know, but the, that's only a basic, basic that's stuff. It's yeah. just sad. It's actually sad. Phil, can I ask you then in terms of businesses, have you got great support from local businesses for this? Um, I suppose I, you know, I have a bit of retail background myself. So I'm, I'm very aware of, you know, the their ability to give donations at the moment. So really, at the moment, in the present economic crisis, really, and retail crisis and um, also corporate situations, you know, uh, we tend just to actually we're mostly approached 
great. Yeah, which is is great, you know. And um, so, I, and I also feel there are so many other charities out there at the moment. Um, unless we really have an SOS, you know. Is that an issue in the charity sector? You all feel you're 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 all pulling from the same well, group, I, almost. Yeah, I, you know, yes. And there's there's uh, some charities, and obviously they're very 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 low in income. But um, Alison, would you mind to just get back to something yeah. uh, there um, with Martina and um, also with Joanne? Uh, uh, just a few little stories of feedback yeah. for the effects of, we'll say, the products that we give out here at the Tipperary Hygiene Hub. 40% of our products are now the domestic and household products. So like washing powder, washing the up liquid? washing powder, the Mr. Pink, uh, the Domestus, the washing up liquid. They are forty percent now yeah. of our donations, which is huge. Which we never, we never thought that uh, we, we would be at this situation. But to give you some little stories, I'm not quite sure now. But we also give out um, uh, weekly to Ina in the soup kitchen. We donate our products, so people who 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 need. Um, the support system up there can uh, approach Ina and get our products through that system as well. Uh, our our people that we support are called community partners. But she gave me, uh, she was just saying to me one day there a couple of months ago that there was a gentleman coming from Tipperary on the bus so he wouldn't be recognised. Yes, and there was another instance, one of our community partners gave me feedback. There was one day that uh, a mum was delighted she was getting the products. She then had uh, at the cost and the price to put diesel into her car to bring her little child to uh, Montessori. Okay. So it's there's an awful lot involved. And another one of our community partners um, told us one day that the lady was able to take mildew off from her walls. She had clean walls for her family. And also the kids had bubble bath and they were now ordering, putting an order in for the colour of bubble bath they wanted the oh, next time. So simple. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Anyone who's looking to donate or get involved with the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, how can they do that? Yes, they can contact us on social media. We're uh, both on Instagram and also on Facebook under the Tipperary Hygiene um, Hub. Um, we can be also contacted at 086 2697835 and uh, we also have an I donate page if people want to donate something for uh, to us and uh, we'd be able to buy products then with, uh, with those cash amounts and um, all donations on the IT uh, donate page go directly to Tipperary. Now I know you were saying you get a little bit of funding do you get any government support or any funding that way? Um, in saying that, what we have has happened last year, the Tipperary County Council through the Development Board, uh, they um, organised a huge donation of products to the various charities around the area. So it was fantastic. We had um, washing up liquid, we had the household products and that, and um, and they were donated. That was that was major for us. So that lasted us about at least two and a half months for the area, and that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So. So um, it is limited at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Well done on your great work. Unfortunately, though, the need looks like it's only going to increase, so you're going to get busier. I think so. I yeah. think so. Thank you. Ladies, thanks so much to Phil, Joanne and Martina. We'll have the information as well for the Tipperary Hygiene Hub up on our website if anyone wants to find out more or to donate themselves. But for now, it's back to you and Fran in studio. Thanks very much indeed, Ali. And uh, that's uh, Alison out and about for us uh, this morning at the Hygiene Hub in Tipperary. Uh, hello to my lovely friend Catherine Ryan and Catherine sent me the most gorgeous barn brack and it's a sample of 
um, the barmbrack that her mother used to make at Halloween and it's her own uh, recipe and an old recipe I believe so Catherine you're very kind and lovely cards too and I can't wait to sample that a little bit later on thank you 083 311 just to give you a taste of what's uh, coming into as we were discussing the the pensions and the like in the first hour of the programme Mullister says it's very unfair to people that have worked for 40 years and people that uh, never worked uh, get uh, everything. I can never understand why so many people are unemployed when hotels can't get workers. Some people always picking up the pieces. This is Anne-Marie. Uh, Fran, where was the great pension reserve fund uh, that was set up years ago? Squandered and raided, no doubt, for pet projects. Wastage in this country by government departments is absolutely uh, sinful. Uh, meanwhile, we continue to pay excessive amounts to uh, emigrants far and above what other EU countries are spending. Somebody else said, uh, I retired a year ago at 66. I had a small pension myself. 9,000 was taken in tax. This should not happen with your pensions, as one of our listeners. Uh, Mike was on to say good morning, Fran. Another important question for rural Ireland. Are the mobile phone companies turning off phone lines during the night and early mornings. I've been up the walls trying to contact my friend for months with a message uh, on to say, call cannot be connected, try letter. More rural Ireland problems to us living alone, says Mike. Um, a friend, what I found was my working life uh, when I was paying the mortgage and the car bills oh yeah I read that earlier on in fact it's an interesting one uh, that listener said uh, I always wanted to give up work but now that my bills are covered and paid and I own nothing I discover I, I enjoy working it's a interesting point as we said earlier uh, social welfare benefits actually benefits our economy and this is why we are currently discussing a universal payment for everybody whether you work or not and last, uh, at last somebody uh, talking sense is making reference today we need more people like him and on and on it goes huge response this morning and thank you very much indeed for that we'll take a break and we're back with more in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Back to Tip Today, 083 311 for your text and uh, your WhatsApp. You can email us at any time at all and that's uh, tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now our reporter, Alison Highland, is on the road today. She's currently with a group who are trying to tackle the issues of hygiene poverty and she joins me now. Ellie, good morning to you. Where are you, Ellie? Yeah, good morning, Fran. I'm here in the lovely home of Phil Kyo this morning and Phil is the the wonderful woman behind the hygiene hub here in Clonmel. Uh, it's a fantastic organisation. What it does, it provides access to hygiene products uh, for families maybe who can't afford them. As we know, the cost of everything has gone up with inflation and the cost of living. But what some people might not be aware of is that this would cause uh, a lot of problems for, for a lot of families in trying to access hygiene products. So the Hygiene Hub is something that was started a few years ago. And Phil then was behind the setting up of the Tipperary Hygiene Hub. And Phil, tell me about what inspired you to get involved and to set up the hub in Tipperary. 
Uh, good morning, Alison. You're very welcome and good morning to our colleagues here, Martina and um, Joanne. Um, firstly, it's not about me. It's about we're a team here in the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, Alison. Um, we have a wonderful Michelle Higgins who does all our social media and Jill Bateen and we have Orla as well uh, as myself. So I always say I'm just the front of house person but um, I have a bit more free time. Um, the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, uh, we started here two years ago. In, in, uh, we're based here in Clonmel and uh, we work around in the community. Um, it originally started about three years ago in Dublin. Uh, we're a registered organisation and we're totally uh, voluntary. And um, three of our members... Um, saw the need for it. Uh, one of the ladies, Rosie, who was in Human Resources uh, from the Dublin Hygiene Bank, had seen the need and how it worked in England and then uh, came back to Ireland and got two of her colleagues, uh, Kira and also uh, Sorka. Uh, but, uh, each of them have uh, in total uh, finance, a legal and a human resources background. Uh, they're all in full employment and uh, they set it up. So uh, really it has uh, grown in huge strengths and because of the total uh, operation and its governance and uh, it has now branched out to uh, seven other uh, 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 places in the country. I saw the need one day, I was looking, had a bit of free time and I said yes there must be a need for it in South Tipperary in Clonmel so I, I approached the organisation, that's how it started. We started very small at the beginning, we're still quite small but um, together we have uh, donated 5,100 kilos of both personal and domestic hygiene products around locally to the community. That's fantastic. And just in terms of, of how it grew then, was it that there was this need there that maybe you weren't aware of and that started kind of a snowball effect and, and more people were looking for products? Is that how it started? Um, well, I, you know, the one and only uh, uh, Ida Doyle, I approached Ida one day over a coffee and um, I spoke to her as, you know, she's just involved in the food or was involved in in the food at that point in the Clamel Soup Kitchen and she agreed to me that there was the need. So from that point then uh, we set up here and uh, we started going a little bit on social media and we... Um, people like Tesco's came on board and we got personal donations and uh, sure, we, no sooner had them donated we started with the soup kitchen and then we got involved with the Club and Resource Families and Babies and um, so we just started with those initially and after that then we got involved with Martina uh, Wells here with uh, Tulsa uh, we have done our work with Alone and um, we also uh, have started this year with um, uh, Joanne here in Bernardo's in Ellen Park. So we're growing legs, so to speak. And um, there's not a week that we don't donate, I'd say, 400 kilos of the products. Yeah. Talk to me about hygiene poverty itself, because I think a lot of people mightn't be aware of the extent of it. Uh, no, Alison, um, I, was, I was very surprised myself, you know, you try and introduce, we'll say, hygiene poverty as such, we'll say, to people initially trying to introduce ourselves. And um, they, they really, you know, they really didn't get it at the beginning. And then you say to them, well, if a family doesn't have income for food, 
how then can they afford shower gels, basic toothpaste, soap, deodorants? And then, then, then it, uh, yeah, it, it, they realise the extent of it. So, um, the fact that it has huge side repercussions, obviously, if a person isn't clean, uh, they feel isolated, they tend to stay at home, they stay not integrated into society. Mm -hmm. The big thing is that children are missing out on education, and particularly locally. Yeah. Uh, we've had several requests from schools that in the area, uh, the both the schools have seen that the children are really going through, um, I suppose, experience they shouldn't be. Yeah. Bullying, uh, inferiority, they're missing their education and um, they're, they're in a cycle and can't get out of it. So this is where we hope now with the Tipperary Hygiene uh, Hub to continue with the work that we're doing locally and also to um, continue now and maybe try and just help uh, uh, with the schools around in the area and at least bring uh, the uh, children back into their education. But I must say to the people of Clomel of the area and of uh, the, the different bodies that have come on and, and helped us so much, um, we just get 250 euros from the Late Late Show, which we're very grateful monthly from our head office in uh, the Dublin Hygiene uh, Hub. And the rest we have to try and, you know, create ourselves for the products. Yeah. And Martina and Joanna are here with me now. Martina Wells-Casey is a support uh, practitioner with uh, Tusla. Um, Martina, talk to me. I think when people think hygiene poverty, they'll probably immediately think of like shampoo and shower gel, but it's much broader than that, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. It expands very wide. Like, I mean, you know, all hygiene products are so expensive at present, as we all know. But particularly if you are on benefits and on a low income, you know, you have to prioritise maybe food. Obviously, we need food to fuel our bodies. So that has to be got. And so others would be left behind, such as shower gels. And we also fill at times have nappies, toilet rolls, washing powder. They are all very, very expensive at present, as we all know. So, I mean, families that I work with are very, very happy to receive those. I work with about 15 families, so I would make a call to every family every week. And that means that 15 of those families are getting hygiene products on a weekly basis. Sometimes uh, there's little surprises like Phil, some people might make donations from maybe Christmas present they've left over or something they don't use like hand creams or face creams and Phil kindly gives them to me. And so I'm going to, I suppose, parents and um, if they were feeling low or maybe just a Christmas, I might parcel them up and they're so happy to get those to put on themselves, which is fantastic. I suppose from my uh, point of view as well, that we would um, maybe have children that would um, be moved, um, you know, on, uh, very quickly. And so they may be staying with extended families such as grandparents, aunts and uncles, you know, that they themselves may be on benefits. So therefore, um, you know, to buy if you had a couple of children landed in and you had, you know, two, yeah. two pastes and two brushes, shower gels, uh, sanitary products, it depends on the age of the child. Um, you know, so to be able to give the grandparents, the aunts or the uncles these, you know, packs every week because it would take a while, obviously, for the financial situation to settle, maybe to get, you know, extra benefits for the children. So it's really, really a welcome pack, yeah. I have to say. I'd imagine the sanitary products aspect of it is hugely important because you've maybe, um, often cases, vulnerable girls who are going through a tough time and going through, you know, periods is a difficult thing. So to have products like that available to them, I'd imagine, is hugely to beneficial. Totally, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, I want to go in and I uh, assess, like, how many children 
children are there, what the age group of the children are there, so then I know what to put into the bag to take into the families. Also, I suppose maybe if we have, you know, um, mums or whatever going into a rehabilitation or dad or whatever, you're, I make up a pack then as well and I'm able to give them that pack. Also, we have new, you know, mums expecting babies when they're going into the hospital, so we ensure that they have everything that they need, you know, from baby wipes to uh, pseudocreme, to nappies, to sanitary products for themselves, to having a nice new toothbrush, toothpaste, you yeah. know, so it's really beneficial to them all. It's all, an all rounder. It's just not for specific, you know, bringing in just, but for me, I suppose that I work in a very varied area yeah. of people, you know, and um, just to be able to give them all that, it's, it's fantastic. Are you seeing the need for it really increase? Oh, totally, totally. As I just said there, like, I mean, the, you, know, uh, you have to buy food. Yeah. Food has to be prioritised over everything else. So therefore, as Phil had said, you know, that there'd be a lack maybe of, of, of hygiene products being bought. Well, there is a lack of hygiene products being bought and cut down to the very minimum, which impacts on the children going to school, as we just said. And, you know, and children being children, they will say, I want to play with so-and-so, you know, because they, you know, they're not clean or, so, yeah. you know, children will say things straight out. Whereas if you have all these at hand, it's so easy, you know, to encourage parents to, you know, to shower, wash, you know, clean their teeth, especially, you know, and also, you know, to clean their house. And I suppose that if people are feeling and they're in a low mood and they're not in a great place and I'm going in to visit, you know, it's great for them, you know, to be given with products because they really haven't an excuse then. They have yeah. to kind of get up and do it and, you know, and it makes them feel better and gives them more confidence, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Fran Joanna Gorman is also here with me. She's project leader with Bernardo's here in Clonmel. Joanne, what's the response from families then when you're trying to, you know, give these products out to them and let them know that they're available? Yeah, I suppose just to give a bit of context, last year Bernardo's worked with 20,000 children and their families across Ireland and in our project based in Elm Park in Clonmel, we worked with over 260 of those families across South Tipperary, but mainly Clonmel families. So we support uh, families practically and emotionally, and some of the practical support are food hampers that we give out each week with the non-perishable items. But as Martina and uh, Phil have just said, um, we don't have hygiene items to support them with. It is the basic food items that we give out. So when Phil came on, uh, approached us last summer um, to ask if she could partner up with us and support us, we were delighted. Um, I suppose we've seen an increase in need for the food hampers. Food poverty is a real thing, but hygiene poverty is also a real thing. So to be able to offer that to families now is really great. Um, I think we've all said, you know, we, we had a chat in the project one day when Phil was up about we can't underestimate what it means to people's self-esteem and their yeah. confidence to be able to have a shower with shower gel in the morning, brush their teeth with toothpaste, send your children off to school clean. And I think we do see it across the board that, like Martina said, maybe a child is isolated because they're not clean in school or they're presenting again and again unclean. We don't want any of the children we work with yeah. to be going in and experiencing that in school. But definitely families have gotten used to the hygiene products. We see an increase in the need for it. And they're uh, at first we're a little reluctant because they would say things like, "Oh, give it to somebody more in need than I am." But they're all in need. Like we see parents who are going without food themselves to feed their children. They're not heating their homes in order to feed their children. So hygiene products are not a priority on their shopping list yeah. because they are so expensive. And we all are living in a cost of living crisis at the moment. But we definitely see the impact on the families that we're working with. I remember being up in Nina a few months ago and they were doing the food hampers for families. They do them there every week. Fantastic organisation working up there as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they were saying to me that there's still a lot of reluctance and maybe even sad to say a bit of shame involved in it from families who are looking for help. Are you finding that as well? 
I suppose originally when I started with Bernardo's a few years ago, um, maybe not as many families would have uh, taken the food hampers, but now we pack in the hygiene products yeah. with our food hampers. And I would say we have about 45 to 50 families open to us at any one time. Um, most of them take the food hampers and I would say about a quarter of them are availing of the hygiene products but week on week we see an increased need for that and that's to do with the cost of the products. It's a sad indictment on this country isn't it when there is such a need. Can I ask Martina and Joanne both of you can I ask it's something we all probably take for granted just the, the ability to be able to brush your teeth and have a shower and be clean at a very basic level what effect does that have on a child to have those products available to them? Well, again, as, as we spoke about, definitely they're going into school and they are, you know, washed, their teeth are washed. Um, I suppose, you know, again, I, I'd go to families maybe that would be in a low mood, might be in a good place at that particular time. I suppose I'd be different from Joanne, like we wouldn't, uh, I'd be going in there and I'd have the relationship with each individual family. Mm. So, you know, I would know the problems within the family home and I would be able to say like, you know, that they need this and I'd know what they would actually need. And, you know, you'd see the difference. Definitely, you know, but uh, to a child that that can't brush, basic brushing the teeth, that's 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 massive. It is yeah. massive, you know, and, you know, we hear it, you know, every day from dentists, you know, uh, uh, teeth hygiene, but, you know, it might not be practice. And then they might have got out of the practice because they hadn't products, yeah. you know, and I would have come across that, you know, a, a lot, you know, whereas now you're getting in and you're kind of going in are they brushing their teeth you know are you you know yeah, yeah are they yeah, doing this yeah, yeah and you yeah. know so yeah and they are you know what mm. i mean they, they'll follow through which is yeah. great you know but th that's only a basic basic that's stuff it's yeah. just sad it's actually sad phil can i ask you then in terms of businesses have you got great support from local businesses for this um i suppose i you know i have a bit of retail background myself so I'm, I'm very aware of you know the their ability to give donations at the moment so really at the moment in the present economic crisis really and retail crisis and um, also corporate situations you know uh, we tend just to, actually we're mostly approached Great. Yeah, which is is great, you know, and um, so I and I also feel there are so many other charities out there at the moment, um, unless we really have an SOS, you know. Is that an issue in the charity sector? You all feel you're 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 all pulling from the same well, group, uh, almost. Yeah, I, you know, yes, and there's there's uh, some charities, and obviously they're very very low in income. But um, Alison, would you mind to just get back to something yeah. uh, there um, with Martina and? Um, also with Joanne, uh, just a few little stories of feedback yeah. for the effects of, we'll say, the products that we give out here at the Tipperary Hygiene Hub. 40% of our products are now the domestic and household products. So like washing powder, washing the up liquid? washing powder, the Mr. Pink, uh, the Domestus, the washing up liquid. They are 40% now oh. of our donations, which is huge, which we never we never thought that uh, we, we would be at this situation. But to give you some little stories, I'm not quite sure now, but we also give out um, uh, weekly to Ina in the soup kitchen. We donate our products. So people who who, who need um, the support system up there can uh, uh, approach Ina and get our products through that system as well. Uh, our, our people that we support are called community partners. But she gave me, uh, she was just saying to me one day, there a couple of months ago that there was a gentleman coming from Tipperary on the bus 
so he wouldn't be recognised. Yes, and there is another instance, one of our community partners gave me feedback. There was one day that uh, a mum was delighted she was getting the products. She then had uh, the cost and the price to put diesel into her car to bring her little child to uh, Montessori. So it's there's an awful lot involved. And another one of our community partners um, told us one day that the lady was able to take mildew off from her walls she had clean walls for her family and also the kids had bubble bath and they were now ordering and putting an order in for the colour of bubble bath they wanted the oh, next time. So simple. Absolutely, oh. yeah. Anyone who's looking to donate or get involved with the Tipperary Hygiene Hub, how can they do that? Yes, they can contact us on social media. We're uh, both on Instagram and also on Facebook under the Tipperary Hygiene um, Hub. Um, we can be also contacted at 86 Two six nine seven eight three five, and uh, we also have an I donate page. If people wanted to donate something for uh, to us, and uh, we'd be able to buy products then with, uh, mm-hmm. with those cash amounts, and um, all donations on the IT uh, donate page go directly to Tipperary. Now I know you were saying you get a little bit of funding. Do you get any government support or any funding that way? Um, in saying that, what we have has happened last year, the Tipperary County Council to the Development Board, uh, they um, organise a huge donation of products to the various charities around the area. So it was fantastic. We had um, washing up liquid, we had the household products and that, and um, and they were donated. That was that was major for us. So that lasted us about at least two and a half months for the area, and that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So. So um, it is limited at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Well done on your great work. Unfortunately, though, the need looks like it's only going to increase, so you're going to get busier. I think so. I yeah. think so. Thank you. Ladies, thanks so much to Phil, Joanne and Martina. We'll have the information as well for the Tipperary Hygiene Hub up on our website if anyone wants to find out more or to donate themselves. But for now, it's back to you and Fran in studio. Thanks very much indeed, Ali. And uh, that's uh, Alison out and about for us uh, this morning at the Hygiene Hub in Tipperary. Uh, hello to my lovely friend Catherine Ryan and Catherine sent me the most gorgeous barn brack and it's a sample of um, the barn brack that her mother used to make at Halloween and it's her own uh, recipe and an old recipe I believe so Catherine you're very kind and lovely cards too and I can't wait to sample that a little bit later on thank you 083 311 just to give you a taste of what's uh, coming into us we were discussing the the pensions and the like in the first hour of the programme Mullister says it's very unfair to people that have worked for 40 years and people that uh, never worked uh, get uh, everything. I can never understand why so many people are unemployed when hotels can't get workers. Some people always picking up the pieces. This is Anne-Marie. Fran, where was the great pension reserve fund uh, that was set up years ago? Squandered and raided, no doubt, for pet projects. Wastage in this country by government departments is absolutely uh, sinful. Uh, Meanwhile, we continue to pay excessive amounts to uh, emigrants far and above what other EU countries are spending. Somebody else said, uh, I retired a year ago at 66. I had a small pension myself. 9,000 was taken in tax. This should not happen with your pensions, as one of our listeners. Uh, Mike was on to say, good morning, Fran. Another important question for rural Ireland. 
Are the mobile phone companies turning off phone lines during the nights and early mornings? I've been up the walls trying to contact my friend for months with a message uh, on to say, call cannot be connected, try letter. More rural Ireland problems to us living alone, says Mike. Um, a friend, what I found was my working life uh, when I was paying the mortgage and the car bills. Oh, yeah, I read that earlier on. In fact, it's an interesting one. Uh, that listener said, uh, I always wanted to give up work, but now that my bills are covered and paid and I own nothing, I discover I, I enjoy working. It's an interesting point, as we said earlier. Uh, social welfare benefits actually benefits our economy, and this is why we are currently discussing a universal payment for everybody, whether you work or or not. And last, uh, at last, somebody uh, talking sounds is making reference today. We need more people like him. And on and on it goes. Huge response this morning. And thank you very much indeed for that. We'll take a break and we're back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Oh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch is with me in studio. Morning to you, John. Uh, good morning, Fran. What's it like out there? They haven't allowed me out since about 7 o'clock. No, it's actually not too bad. It's clearing not too bad up at all. Yeah, good. You could go for a cycle. <laughs> if you had a bike, <laughs> if you had a bike. Yeah. Don't don't mention the war and all oh, of that. No. You're going to talk to us today about the judicial appointments uh, commission yeah. bill. Before we get into the detail, just what what is it, John? What is it? Yeah. yeah. Basically, it's a bill that they introduced. Actually, the history of it, funnily enough, started with our friend um, Shane Roth when he one of his. Um, terms of playing ball to get into government was that he'd deal with uh, he wrote a book I think basically it was called The Untouchables the people mm. who helped wreck Ireland are still running the show mm. and one of the one of his kind of uh, issues let's put it that way was the judiciary and the appointment of judges mm. and and the political influence and the, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, more to yeah. do with Probably uh, exactly mm. more to do with the political influence than the 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 appointment of the judges themselves, if you know what I mean. Mm. But um, or maybe you might have been having a go at them. I don't know. Sure, no, yeah. But uh, it created what they called an explosive reaction within the judiciary and the legal profession, mainly because he was pro- proposing a majority lay lay. Um, a majority of lay people in the commission. So he's... he's, he's To make the appointments. Exactly. The thrust of his argument was that instead of having it that there was... Because, you see, the old system was that uh, some people refer to it as the tap on the shoulder, that you get a tap on the shoulder and say, look, make an application there and we'll we'll put you in as a judge kind of thing. And the whole patronage scenario. So he... For 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 good reason he was he was against that mm. type of thing and I don't think we'd fault him for that because, you know, with modern society looking for transparency and politics and everything else, um, it's obviously something that you would obviously commend. But the problem was, or the problem as far as the judiciary and the legal profession were concerned, 
was that it went the other way. So you now had a majority lay people appointing judges. <clears throat> and this was seen as uh, an absolute dog's dinner of a mm. piece of legislation. As far as the then Attorney General Seamus Wolf was concerned, who I think had his own history subsequently. <laughs> Indeed, but, a very colourful one too. Yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, so basically, that was what happened in 2017. We know the chain exited stage right or left, whichever way you want to go. And then they reintroduced it in 2020. And it then got, uh, it then got a different emphasis on it, which kind of reflected the criticism I, that you needed uh, a better balance in terms of the makeup, because there was two, there's two kind of major objections to it, um, by actually the chief justice himself, i.e. the head man in the court system, the chief justice. He had two objections to the to the system as it was being proposed, and one was that he felt that there should be an input. And now what I'm saying is the current system is uh, that you have in this commission that mm. they're setting up, you're going to have nine people in the commission. Uh, so you're going to have nine people on the panel, if you know what mm. I mean, selecting the judges. And the nine people on the panel are made up of four lay people and four judges. Mm. So it's now 50-50 kind of thing. And <clears throat> the, the judges are going to be the chief justice and the the president of the Court of Appeal who are the two top judges within the system. So they automatically are there. So whoever the current uh, incumbents of those two respective offices are will be on the commission and they that's just an automatic. And then there's two other nominees by the Judicial Council. And the Judicial Council is a new entity as well because again, you may remember that there's surprisingly enough insofar as there hasn't been too many incidents but you may remember that there were a number of incidents where judges had actually they, you had an issue with the judge and the yes. whole question of how were you going to take, get the judge to resign and what happened was the judges did actually resign but it, it opened the whole discussion as to how are we going to deal with a situation where you've got a judge that that for one reason or another people consider shouldn't be mm. and then you had the whole situation that it had to be the, the Doyle had to impeach them and you had this whole impeachment argument and it raised all sorts of issues about transparency and about how do you deal with the judge mm. that maybe people might consider is behaving in a way that's not consistent yes. with yeah. their office, you know. So that's where the Judicial uh, Council came in and the Judicial Council is an elected sorry, a selected body or a select body which is basically made up of the judiciary who police themselves, if that's not too uh, uh, in, inappropriate mm. a word to be talking about policing. But yeah, effectively they set this. So they appoint two more and then the lay people are appointed and the lay people are under the legislation have to have certain expertise. Mm. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, what, yeah. what kind of, is, not legal expertise necessarily? Well, no, no. not a legal background. Mm but a legal knowledge, a knowledge of the legal system. So basically, without kind of giving you a chapter and verse on it, the whole idea is that they should have knowledge of business, of the world, if you know what I mean, the business world. Mm. They should have knowledge of dealing with personnel. They should mm. have knowledge 
uh, of diversity, how, diversity all, all sort of and the thing, legal yeah. system. And funny you should mention diversity because there was a number of different bodies made made you know submissions hmm. after this bill came in, and the the human rights element of it, the institute made a very, very uh, detailed submission on it. And one of the things was, and has found its way into the bill, that diversity is an important element of the whole selection process and the whole uh, gender uh, equality is very much part. So when you pick uh, the two judges, you know, where you've got the automatic two and the other two, when you pick the other two, one has to be a man, the other has to be in, in terms of selecting. So it, there's equality. Of, so that has to be the case. That has to be the case. So, yeah. oh, OK, so we have potentially the bill. Where, where have we a problem now? OK, interesting question. Where is the problem now? The problem now actually surfaced uh, to the, the two uh, people with legal backgrounds. Mm. One, I'm trying to think, O'Callaghan. Jim, Jim O'Callaghan. Jim yeah. O'Callaghan, yeah. 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 He's a barrister. He and, raised, and a TD, of course. And yeah. a TD, yeah. of course, yeah. He raised an issue and McDowell, uh, Michael McDowell raised an as issue. To constitu- constitutionality, as to the constitutionality yeah. Yeah. of the bill. And the interesting thing when you look at it is that when the bill came in uh, initially, there was uh, an override for the selection process. So what I mean by that is that the commission would nominate, would interview people, and interestingly enough, under the old uh, style, there was no interview. Wow. Yeah, there was no interview at all. You you submitted your 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 CV if you like, and then they looked at through the CVs, and then they put forward the names, but the there was no requirement to take the the names or the nominations. So that was the old system. Okay. The new system now is they have to and can only take the nominations. And therein lies the problem. Thanks, Pat. Uh, 1800 That's our free phone number. If you want to chat to uh, Emma, you can text and WhatsApp 083 Of course, the email is tiptoday at tipfm.com. We'll be speaking about gardening towards the end of uh, the programme. So if you have a gardening query, will you get it into us as soon as you possibly can? It's time now for the Gardee. And I'm delighted to be joined by Carol O'Leary, who is Sergeant in Charge of Care. Garda Station. Good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Fran. And thanks for your time this morning. Can we begin in the Thurless uh, area and that uh, car that was driving badly and was picked up by your colleagues? It was one something driving badly. In this case, it was a car that just went over the white line, mm. but it was enough to notice to trigger the guard's attention. So they stopped it, spoke to the driver. He was they were they were arrested and waiting results now of a sample. But a small little thing like that, even just crossing over the red, the white line was enough to react and to get them possibly facing a court date. There was another car being driven erratically as well, Carol. There was, and unfortunately still happens that on this case, it was a case where suspected cannabis was found in the car. So again, waiting analysis on that one, but again, serious consequences for poor driving that brought it to the attention of the guards. What happened on the train? On the train is one where, unfortunately, it happens a lot, but they have fantastic systems where if you were travelling on the train, as was on this case, there was a passenger on the train behaving erratically and upsetting the journey for everybody involved. A staff member tried to de-escalate the matter, but unfortunately they were met with a 
litany of abuse. So he was removed from the train. Guardian Thurlis assisted, refused to give any details. He was arrested, taken to Thurlis Garda Station, identified, and there was actually a bench warrant for him. So he was straight to court. But for anything like that, we would encourage people to just ring, contact and let us know. And in this serious enough consequences for the gentleman involved. All right. A man broke into to a public house in, in Thurlis as well. What, what happened there? It was a case where the licensee heard noises downstairs where he discovered a man sitting at the bar drinking well after closing time. He ha- also had a, a wrench with him. He was arrested and taken to Thurlis District Court. So mm. An unusual one. Unusual one indeed. What, what about shoplifting as well? There was an incident of that. Still happening in Thurlis. There was a case where a female entered a shop, left without paying for a number of items, totalling 173 and significant loss there for shops which are trying to get businesses keeping in action. That's she was cooperative and she may be entitled to an adult caution, but we'll, we'll see how that progresses. Right, we keep hearing stories about that uh, a lot uh, here on the programme over the last few months as well. Drug uh, possession as well, Carol? They've Again, busy up in the north of the county. Yeah. They searched the premises on this occasion and positive results. There was about a thousand euro worth of cannabis found. So good result and again shows that they're very much active and dealing with it, the problem as best they can. To West Tipperary and to Tipperary Town. And again, incidents that we've heard quite a bit about uh, recently. Cars being uh, damaged. Uh, to begin with, St. Michael Street? There was, and there was a lot of ones on this occasion where you might need to put down the toast and marmalade and get a pen to document all the different dates yeah. that were involved. On the first occasion, it was the 18th of October. So that was a Wednesday night where there was cars damaged in St. Michael's Avenue between 7 o'clock on the 17th of October and 8 o'clock on the 18th. So anybody with anything unusual, any even a partial reg of a car can be helpful, but two cars damaged on that occasion. Mm. And you went on then on the 20th, I think, was it? It did. On Between then on the 19th and the 20th of October, a car was damaged in this time in the old Monastery Road area of Tipperary Town where a window was broken. Again, Tip Town are appealing for witnesses in that. There was a gun at the same date between 10pm on the 19th and about 4 o'clock on the 20th. This time in, again, St. Michael's Avenue, there was door windows broken in a car. And then lastly, in relation to it, again, on the 24th and the 25th, between half seven on the 24th and nine o'clock on the 25th, a car was damaged again, unfortunately, in the St. Michael's Avenue area of Tiptown. In this occasion, two rear windows were broken. So, unfortunately, a few of them there now over in Tiptown, but hopefully colleagues over there will get that. Mm, it's result. in the same area. And in fact, we've heard about uh, that area being uh, targeted in the past as well. What, what about the house break-in, Carol? That was one on the 21st of October, between 10 o'clock on the 1st and the 29th, so a good few days there of a stretch, where a house in the Ballykeven area of Menard, there was a window broken, so Tipperary Town are appealing for... It's anyone that was out, if you're out walking, mm. driving, if you've dash cam, anything like that can be of benefit to help, or if you saw anything, please do contact them. Right, what happened in Dano Hill? Dano Hill, on the 25th, between the 25th and the 26th of October... So again, that would have been midweek last week. There was a porta cabin damaged at a business centre in the Donohill area. There was shuttering and cables to the premises cut. Would have taken a bit of time, so it's mm. something that you might have seen as you were passing. And again, if you have any information, to contact the guards in Tiptown. All right, so to the Clamell district now, specifically to Carrick and Shure, and your colleagues looking for some help here. They were. That was. It's a, it's a good result um, that Sergeant Margaret Kelly was on there two weeks ago with yourself. Mm. 
appealing for listeners to help with the robbery that occurred in Carrick and Shore on the 15th of October. And the good result there is that detectives over in Clonmel arrested a man in his early 50s on the 18th in relation to the robbery, as well as with three other robberies, one in Feathered, Clonmel and Killinall, all of which happened there in the last short time. He was arrested in Dublin, he was questioned and he was later brought before the court. He's been remanded in prison so that matter will make its way through the court system there now. But a good result and again thanks for all the, the feedback and the help from the public to well, assist in that. Well we're delighted to hear that. So last weekend then a burglary at a, a premises in O'Connell Street on Clonmel. There was again it was a shop premises there on O'Connell Street in Clonmel last Saturday morning where a man in his 30s and a woman in her 20s were both subsequently arrested. Property was recovered, which is always good to have. The two people were already before court there last Monday and they've both been charged. So another one that's making its way through the justice system. Mm, Among the home, of course, is in the district and yet uh, another burglary. Another one, unfortunately, it's the time of year and I'll I'll mention some preventative measures there in a little bit with you. But Guardian Clonmel are appealing for witnesses to a burglary the Tuesday, the 24th of October. So in the early hours of that day, a report was received that three people had made their way into a shop in the Kickham Street in Mullinahone, took items, made their escape in a red car, in a small red car. So it's something that's distinctive and we'd appeal for anybody that might have seen anything around that time. So the 24th of October. Yes, and back to Clonmel Town then itself for yet another break-in. Another one, unfortunately, on the Care Road in Clonmel. Between 12 midday and 9pm on the 28th, significant, it was the day of the Rugby World Cup Mm. final. Mm. So on that occasion, the back door of the house was entered and the culprits entered the house. So quite disturbing for the residents. So Guardian Clonmel are appealing for any witnesses who might have seen it. Sure, and down to Carrick and Shore then, what what happened in Carrick? In Carrick in Abbey Street, there was a window of a house broken early hours of the 29th. So again, that would have been the early morning after the, the mm. previous incident. Sunday morning, anybody who was in and around Abbey Square, maybe some people heading to work early around 7 o'clock, if they saw anything, please contact the Gardaí in Carrick. All right, let's go to North Tipperary then, Carol. And uh, the drugs unit, busy? They're always busy. They're mm. always earning their yeah. keep. Bless them. Um, they recently had when they were on the 26th where there was a number of searches carried out in Nina. There was amounts of cocaine, which will be analysed by our forensic team, discovered as well as drug paraphernalia, and in this case, a file is being prepared for the DPP to see where it's going to head to in relation to courts. Uh, tell me about what happened there with two groups uh, arguing with each other. It sounded rather serious, didn't it? it? It was, and it's one that, thankfully, there's people being dealt with in relation to it. Two, Gary came across two groups arguing in public in the middle of the day in Kickham Street in Nina. Gary intervened and were lucky to find a hammer from the scene, a file is being prepared for the DPP on the matter. But again, something that was shouldn't be happening at all, but especially in the middle of the day with people and young children around seeing that kind of behaviour. That's, that's for sure. In Ross Grey, and again, a very, very serious incident. It is. This is one which I suppose people may be aware of, but there was a serious incident there in Ross Grey the evening of the 28th of October where a car was stolen and later allegedly rammed a Garda patrol car in the Burr Road area of Ross Grey. Two Gardaí, two colleagues there received medical treatment as a result. Glad to say they're both okay, but again, it'll be a journey for them. A male was later arrested, charged with a number of offences and brought before court in Limerick um, on Halloween. So just And a number of burglaries again in the Nina district, Carol. Unfortunately, it's the time of year where yeah. we'll see more and more of these, but there was three in the Laura Rath Cabin area. Mm. The 
first occurred in Grange, Laura, where houses entered between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock and items taken. Another in the Leila Rath cabin overnight between the 28th and the 29th. Again, a house is broken into and as I'll be doing again, Gardaí, you're appealing to be vigilant with the darker nights. There was a third one there in Laura where a house was entered sometime over the space of about a week between the 22nd and the 29th of October. All right. What, what about Newport? Newport, there was two... Two incidents of theft involving garden furniture in the Mulcair Manor on the 18th into the 19th of October. Two plant pots were stolen in one incident and two hanging baskets as well with potted plants stolen as well. Gardaí appealing for any witnesses. It's unusual. I suppose people still have their garden items out, mm. but unfortunately they were taken there. And if you've seen or heard of anyone or noticed anyone that got new garden furniture or plant pots in the last week or so, please contact Gardaí in um, Nina. Yeah, okay. And uh, Operation Lifesaver is uh, still very much active, isn't it, Carol? Absolutely. There's been yeah. a lot of coverage, a lot of reports on it, but unfortunately there was three drunk drivers arrested in Nina, so people are still taking that chance and driving under the influence. The checkpoints are still continuing. There was a very busy weekend with lots of extra checkpoints and I suppose it's, it's good in one regard that we're dealing with it, but ideally we shouldn't be detecting anybody that's driving under the influence of either alcohol or drugs. Now, you alluded to it earlier on, but I mean, you know, the, the clocks changed at the weekend. Carl, we have to take our home security uh, rather seriously at this point, haven't we? It is. Clocks change. I mean, the evenings now, you can see it. About five o'clock yesterday, it mm-hmm. was dark. So I know Declan O'Carroll mentioned it there a while back, but there is a very good home security checklist challenge on the Garda website. So we'd encourage people to take the time to have a look at it and see what little steps they can do with it to just help prevent and help the, make their home a little bit safer and a little bit less likely to be targeted by criminals during the winter months. For sure. You, you, you had a busy time, didn't you, and Karen Cashel over the weekend with all sorts of events happening? We did. Across the, I suppose the entire county, it was a busy weekend. There was lots of events, but particularly here in Care, the scare in Care down by the Swiss mm. Cottage and the Castle Car Park went off. There was over a 1,000 people went through. So we'd just like to take the opportunity to thank everybody that did attend. Everybody was very parking well it was that's our main campaign and champion a lot of children a lot of um young people around the town but it passed off both and again the same in cattle you know it was a busy night last night for everybody especially the fire services and ourselves but we were definitely aided by the weather i suppose i suppose and speaking of the weather there's a lot of uh, rain out and about uh, some of the roads are flooded as well the, you know i know that you have some advice for people as well carol there is with against those storm kira now however bad it will hit her did hit last night we'd always encourage people to drive to the weather conditions as someone always said the speed limit isn't a target mm. but particularly in bad ra- rain with low-lying water with water on the roads um it is something just to be aware of to drive to the conditions not to the speed limit now as you say a lot of advice on the garda website but that notion of lock up and light up i suppose is really relevant now isn't it it is, and it's something so simple. It's a case of, if you're leaving the house this morning, if you know you're not going to be back until late, leave a light on, timer switches, close some of the curtains so it looks occupied and it looks as if, Maria, there's someone in the house. You know, It is a deterrent. It is a simple step. But even, I was thinking, as you're driving home this evening, pass your neighbours mm. and have a look and see which houses look abandoned and empty and mm. you know, opportunist criminals will take a chance on a house that they think is not occupied. But it's a simple one if for any homeowner to make sure your house looks occupied. Simple one of lock up and light up. Um, keep your keys away from the front door. You know, make sure your valuables are safe. But it can, it can be a deterrent, and it's something. It's just, it's the simplest of all things. Just leave a light on, 
somewhere in the house. All right, Carol, it's always good to, to talk to you and thanks for making time for us today. Thank you. Good morning. No problem. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 And that's Carol O'Leary there. Carol is sergeant in charge of Care Garda Station. Only three three double one double three double one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now, welcome back. Uh, Pat and Faye Short return with their new show, Knuckle Down, after their sellout tour of Well. Uh, the father and daughter comedy duo have come uh, together once again, and they're coming to venues right across the country, including this coming Saturday night to lovely Brew Baru in Cashel. But I'm really delighted to say that Pat is with me in studio. Yeah, Good morning, it, it, to you, Pat. It, no sign of Faye, no. <laughs> Was it something we said last time round? Was it? No, was it? no. She's at that age, I can't even find her in the mornings. <laughs> but I hope you can find her for Saturday night. Anyway, she'll she'll be, be there, don't worry, don't worry, she'll be there, Pat. It's great to see you, Pat, but condolences to you, because since I saw you last, you, you, you lost your lovely dad. Oh, Christy, yeah, yeah. I, we did, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, we were down in Clonmel a lot, actually, and the staff and everyone in the hospital were incredible, you know. It was just one of those unfortunate things. He got he got knocked out with COVID, and it, it, it at 92 it took over then and, and uh, you know the rest is history as the lad would say but he was a great character I mean he was a fantastic musician yeah a lot of people like a huge amount of people in Tipperary would know Christy pr- pr- primarily because he was a primary school headmaster in Mind Temple Tui and uh, I think was it out, not Realty before somewhere else before that like, um, outside the hmm. town and uh, it's amazing coming in here this morning uh, one of the ladies downstairs told me he taught her dad Nicola yeah, Nicola, yeah. yeah so yeah. you know I'm hearing that everywhere especially since he passed um, and it's the thing of any primary school headmaster or any headmaster of a school they loads of people go through their hands uh, all down through the years you know so they've of left a big mark but he was town. a very serious musician Pat. he was yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very funny like a lot of people would know a lot of things about him but he was a great fiddle player mm. an amazing fiddle player and, and when he was a young student he he played with Sean O'Reardon for a couple of years when he was in, in the University of Cork wow. he then left university and went on to um, uh, to be a teacher training in St. Pat's in Dublin right. and it was around that era when there was like lots of writers and people like that kind of went to to uh, teacher training and maybe some of the other colleges weren't more accessible you know yeah. so he ended up with the likes of John McGarren in his year uh, Sean O'Shea the singer and Ona Suluan the actor I'm not sure a lot of people Ona died many years ago I remember when we were kids uh, my mum had died when we were all very very young and dad knew this bunch of actors <laughs> Christy Ona Suluan was the, was, was the great actor that did the famous 1916 Pauline Pierce it was sure Again. Uh, but Owen was from the Blasket Islands and himself and dad shared a room together or something in college, you know, all the way up. So my dad le- did a lot of his Irish through uh, Owen, learnt a lot of because he was a native speaker. But Owen was a great flute player as well. And Christy was a great fiddle player. So the two paired up and they won the Rockets a couple of years together. And they, were, they were amazing musicians. And when the Abbey used to be on tour then, they'd all come to our house for a session. You see, so we own that way back. So I, like, when I was a kid, I was put to, get to bed by Teasy from Glen Road. From Glen all those type of actors, that, that was the crew, you know, and they used to come in and out. I, I sometimes think it might have influenced my <laughs> departure down that road as well. But then and there was another mad story he told us when we were younger, which I thought was hilarious. When he was very, very young, uh, he left school uh, after he finished school while well, he's waiting for he got uh, he got a scholarship to go to university in Cork um, he went working in England picking potatoes and uh, he Did said he? he said he only lasted a few days on the farm his feet were wrecked so he got a cushier job uh, of the the family at the time were the um, 
Beecham's of bringing their luggage from one B&B to another when they were on holidays. They went by horse across land and he himself and another guy on a horse would bring the luggage on to the next B&B. But that was Lord Beecham. Uh, if you're familiar with the Beecham's powders, course, yes, but the, the, he was the famous classical conductor, My composer. God. So uh, he met him when he was very, very young and, and actually carried his luggage around. <laughs> Do you know, it's ama- amazing. He had such this, this amazing... checkered life. Yeah, yeah, connection with music. Yeah. Um, he was great crack as well, though. Is that where the comedy sort of... I think so. I, yeah. Actually, I, you know, I know, I met Sean O'Shea at a, an event one mm. day. I remember meeting Sean all the way up as kids because yeah. we, different when we were with the Brass Band and Taurus at different events, he was singing at them and Dad would go up and say hello to him did have a great chat. And, were, and I met him at this uh, thing in Arsene Utra, actually, for entertainers. And he said, he said, you know, I know where you got the comedy from, Pat. And I said, what do you mean... He said, your dad always used to write the comedy sketches for the concerts in the college. Did he? And he was, he did and the did con- you know that? I didn't know that at all. I never knew that. I mean, he was great character. He was great crack and had a great sense of humour, you know. Mm. Um, I think he would have got a great laugh out of the, I, this. Is <laughs> he wasn't very well at this stage. And, and one of the nurses in the hospital said, you know, and myself, two of my brothers, uh, Joe and Paul were there and said hey, you know maybe we should give the priest a shout you know and there's this lovely priest that was very good to that all the way up in, in the, he's the chaplain above in the hospital so he came in and he's doing the whole Christy uh, and he anointed him and everything and mm. doing all that and then he said I absolve you of all your sins Christy was very sick in the bed at this stage and then he turned around to myself and the brothers and I absolve everybody in the room <laughs> I felt like saying, hey, you're taking on a bit much here now. <laughs> These boys haven't been inside the church since they were married. <laughs> you should wait for a bit of detail on yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, brilliant. So there's brilliant. all, look, sure, he yeah, would have yeah. enjoyed the crack of, of that as well. Of course he would. He really was a great yeah. sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, as I say, condolences to you yeah, and to yeah. the family as well, indeed. Uh, working with Faye, of course, this is the second major show with her. It is, it? Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. Not, like the first You're year. still talking, Pat. Yeah. We're getting on better than ever, to be honest with you. It's, you know, it's lovely being out on tour. The last tour was was um, was a very tough one, in the sense it was post COVID and mm. all that. So it was like I was talking to someone outside earlier on. There was lots of things that and how many things were going on. Shows postponed and all sorts yeah. of stuff. So it's nice to get into the touring now with the tour designed and and going really well for us at the moment and kind of shaking off all that. The audiences are out now and it's great fun. We mm. we've been sellout houses since we started a few weeks ago. And ploughing on, but yeah, no, it's great, and it's great. To, like Faye's taking on a lot of challenges in the show now, more stand up. Mm. Is she is she writing as well? She as is, you? of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she writes everything herself, yeah. and and uh, it's fantastic. And she does bring that that eye to it, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 mad young one. <laughs> Which is great. I'm sitting backstage loving yeah, it every yeah. night listening and, to it. And the mother, the mother character, of course, as well. Yeah, in, yes, in the new show. she yeah, plays a yeah. mother character. Yeah. Like, like, and it kind of reminds her of, I mean, of, I, I, mean, I won't do that, but of her outside school and some of the mothers and, uh, you know, in the jammies and <laughs> the dressing gowns at four in the afternoon picking up the kids. So she does this wonderful yeah. limery character like that. So it's, yeah, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. It's, it's great. And does it complement your sort of comedy ideas as well, Pat? I do. Does I think it, myself, have a fave similar sense of humour and we came from the same kind of background and she grew up around the unbelievables and yeah. myself doing shows and touring and being at the shows and travelling with me so and I suppose look it's like any house isn't it you come out of we're all having to laugh around the table uh, and it's the similar kind of sense of humour but everyone's individual everyone's different and she brings her own slant to it which so. is so important as well yeah. social media has been very good to you I mean you're still posting videos all the 
time, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. And they're hilarious. We're know? getting a great reaction from yeah. uh, um, the character Michael. One, he's in the new show, actually. Yeah, and he has an opinion. He'd be the same fellow now as I tell you. You know, I was listening to one of your contributors earlier on saying that there isn't enough tradesmen around. It's absolutely true. There's lads above and the there's lads above in the children's hospital. I know two fellas now from Duella. Now this is true as Godfred. They started out in the children's hospital. Uh, as apprentice capitals, and they retired last Saturday. That's as true as God. You know, and it's, it's a shame. And, and, and the local politicians aren't doing enough about it. That's what I think, anyway. And I'd love to ask them, who are they lying to? And they know who they're talking about. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant indeed. And, and you know, people, you see, I'm sure you come across this over the years, Pat. People think what you do is very simple, that you kind of listen to what's going on <laughs> and you document it and you put that on the stage. It's not like that at but all. But you look, Fran, you were on so, stage for many years. There's a stagecraft in what yeah, you do. And yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you got to take something and turn it around and twist it and present it and, and stage it. Yes. But that's what we do. And that's yeah. what we, we've always done. And, and do, do you tire of that, though? Because they, they, they'll almost put characters to your character. Oh, I know who he oh, do You base him on. So but you know the amazing thing? I, all down through the years, working with the Unbelievers and myself, solo and my favourite, people come up and say that to you. I know this character. Never once will they say it's themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking at them yeah, and listening yeah, and going, yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's actually... it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, yeah. Do you, are you finding that people are following in your footsteps now in terms of the style of comedy as well? There's, there's quite a bit of that out there, there is there a now? bit. I like it. I, I don't, like, I mean, I suppose myself and John start out, the unbelievers, creating these kind of sketch characters. Yeah. And bringing what we what we did, because John's background was theatre, I kind of did my apprenticeship with John, I would always say in lots of ways, the early years when I was very young, and he had done a lot more theatre and stuff. And we brought theatre into the pubs, because, you know, that was our, where we were performing. So, and I often think, how do you kind of organically came around, Fran, in the sense that we were that we were trying to do it more theatrical to get because we could just felt we could do more with it but you were limited with the space so yes. maybe I'd go off and change into character but there was only a place to change was behind the bar in the, in the, the know, beer room yeah. there was no we were just a flat wall in front of you and unlike stand up stand up will stand there and they'll just go into the routine so we did character stuff and we often we did a, went one of the very first shows we did we did two young fellas in the bed and we built a bed on stage and we sat stood in behind the duvet and pretended we were in bed you know but we'd often have to go in and change it and then come through the crowd to get up onto the stage but of course you couldn't just walk through the crowd so you interacted as you got to the stage and it kind of created that style for myself and John a performance that we we kept that in theatres when we had a a traditional stage where you had side wings Mm. we said look at we're so used to coming in through the back door, having the crack. Let's go out around the side of the theatre, come in through the door and onto the stage and create a bit of madness with the with the, the audience. Um, and it wasn't so much audience participation. We never want the audience to do anything. Mm, we would mm, talk to them mm. and perform, but we wouldn't have them up... Well, the other occasion we did. <laughs> I was going to point that out to you, Pat. I just realised the sandwich making competition, <laughs> the where in the parish, there was a few of them there. <laughs> Just a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, few, but it was yeah. more that we'd kind of, we'd perform and talk to them. And I keep, my seven face still do that in the style. Because that's our style, my shtick, whatever yes, you want yes, to call yes, it. Of course. And I keep keep doing that. But yeah, and, and this is, so it like, it's not, it's not strictly created by us. But and, and, and you know, the previous item, I couldn't help but laugh. And, and uh, it was inappropriate at the time because Carol, Sergeant Carol O'Leary yes. was telling me about various awful stuff that was happening around the county. But of course, I mean, in terms of the Guard of Patrol, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Guard, he supplied you with loads of material. Oh, stop, yeah. Well, didn't they? <laughs> they did. I mean, you see, 
the thing about guards is they they deal with crime every yes. day of the week. So they almost look like they're complacent. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but whereas the rest of us are jocking, you know, whatever. But they just, they deal with it. So yeah, they understand yeah. it. And they kind of, you know, and it's kind of, I remember the guard was like, Les, would you, would you just close your doors and read us? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's probably the best advice. I, of course it is. But yeah, it yeah, seems yeah, so yeah. like, is that all you're going to do? And you go, well, what else do you want me to do? <laughs> and I'm sure the guards would love to be able to behave like <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly, you know? exactly. Sure, they you know, can, yeah, of course. But, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm friendly with quite a few guards actually through a few different charities. The, 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 the other thing, uh, country and western music has been very good to you as well in terms <laughs> of material. And of course, local radio has been yeah. really <laughs> tremendous to you. And we're all saying, oh, sure, I know exactly what he's at there and all of that. But, I mean, they've been great sources for you. They are. Resources. And, and I suppose it's because, well, the guards, I, you know, we, we observe that, as you say. Local radio, I suppose I spent a lot of the year in local radios all over and have yeah. done since yeah. the days of pirate radio when it was very much uh, 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 cracking like but like you're a very professional station here different but so I mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but there's some stations can and, and they're actually nearly all professional now but there was some stations in the early days of uh, community radio that mm. like the madness but the and, and made it magical oh great it? stuff it was just magical great right? stuff I mean I used to tune into one particular station I'm not going to mention it but you know <laughs> but they used to have an open night on a Thursday night where I think it was Mart in a certain town and fellas are wandering and that was the whole magic yeah, of it yeah, and you'd listen to it and, and there'd be rustling the newspapers fellas muttering to each other in the corner because me and gang in the studio no sense of that you're live on air and then there was a prize to give away because it was nearly all farming community to give away bags of nuts <laughs> Isn't for people that rang stuff? in, and you always be listening to this limerick going, "That is the best the radio best, yeah. I've ever heard," you know. Yeah. And it is because the comments and it's so relaxed and fellas talking to things, and that's what it's about. You know, it's yeah. great. That's what community radio is about. Ah, sure, it's great. And and country and Irish, well, particularly where Well was concerned. I mean, yes. you got you got yeah, great yeah, regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah, yeah. I did. I mean, I remember touring with John. Uh, uh, not so much anymore. When we were we starting out, we used to do a lot of Christmas fest uh, stuff. You know, where you'd be on with a band, yeah. and just some of the legends. Like up around Luke and not in the country actually. It was in the cities nearly more so. Fellas that loved themselves, you know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the ruffles, yeah. The, but the was, bowls, there was but... one guy, one guy, one like we used to do like seven nights in a row on Christmas parties. They'd have a different act on every night band, and we were on as the comedy for the whole run. And uh, one guy came along and he turned all the lights on himself. <laughs> and no there was way. no anyone dancing in the dark out in the ballroom floor with him, you know, and everything flashing and blaring away, and he giving it socks, which was hilarious. Another night I tripped over. A bag on stage, and every brute pollock <laughs> fell out. <laughs> Hairspray, and they was all awesome. so. There was all sorts of characters you'd meet, you know, and they, oh, they all true. had their all their different um, characters, which we would pick bits and pieces and merge it together, you know. Saturday night then in in Brewbrew. So knuckle down. What what can people expect? Well. I mean, like, there's different, all different characters, mm. uh, definitely. Uh, the, the great character that knuckled down is where it came from is the teacher character. I yeah, brought him back yeah. with, a, with a more kind of contemporary, uh, now that we're in the age of influencers <laughs> <laughs> and TikTokers <laughs> and all that kind of carry on, which yeah. we're all saying. So, yeah, it's, uh, we're, like, so it's just great characters. That character is there from previous. And Michael, the character everyone's looking at on the uh, the influence, on the, the WhatsApps and all that kind of carry on. Um, 
X. I, what, 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 what was it called before X? Jesus. X, uh, Twitter. 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 Yes, and, Twitter. And, and Facebook. He's, yeah. He makes a big opening on the show. And uh, yeah, and Faye's doing great stand-up. I, I, I do stand-up about things that happened in the last year. So it's very, very interesting. That's great. All right. If people want to book uh, for that, it's 0626-1122, by the way. That's the box office there. And you'll be speaking to Ronan and all the gang. 0626-1122. And of course, you can book online because they're all got very fancy there as well. It's uh, Brew Brew. Uh, .ie. So if you want to have a look at that on a line, you can do so. You're the only movie star I know, Pat. So what What about the movies? Oh, what's, they're what's great. Oh, well, I just won Best Actor in the Montreal Film Festival at the weekend. Oh, many congratulations. Yeah, thank you very yes, much. I didn't even know the film was in the festival. <laughs> well. So the director, who's from Los Angeles, texts me. I was in the middle of a show in Burr. And at the interval, I got a text saying, congratulations, you've won Best Actor at the Montreal Independent Film Festival for a film called Lester Wink I did about a year and a half ago, um, The Life of Lester Wink. Um, she's an amazing director. She's over from Los Angeles. She came to Ireland to make this film and, and wants to be in it. Um, I've done a, a couple of other films since I talked to you last. The, the big Netflix thing I was in hasn't come out yet, but that's due to come out, I'd say, soon enough. And um, can you talk about that yet? Well, it's, uh, it's yeah, I mean, uh, 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 Will Hart is is the lead guy. He's from SNL. You know, he's amazing. And, and Siobhan as well. I can't remember her second name. She's... Uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he's yeah, Saturday Night yeah, Live, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of an odd comedy. Um, it's, um, it's a group of uh, uh, podcasters coming over to do a think about some murders in West Cork now it's not the obvious that yeah, everyone thinks yeah. it's actually around a festival and stuff and some other things and developments happen it's very very funny in a dark kind of way um, I love it I think it's really really good we did some reshoots uh, there a while back I thought it might be out at this stage but obviously mm. they're holding off for a certain release date which I will know nothing about um, but it's an interesting one it was the, my, my boss at the time was Barack Obama <laughs> Yeah, because he's himself and his wife Michelle. They they oh, formed a right. company. The company, yes. Yeah, but this was the company. first comedy drama they've done, oh. or drama. Whatever Did you, you get to meet it. them? No, I more chance of meeting them up in Barack Obama <laughs> Plaza, serving me chips behind the super. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he was busy great. doing other things at the time. I know it's just yeah. their company was. That's just an interesting uh, yeah. fact on the side that, that it was the first project like that that the company did they did a lot of uh, documentaries and documentary style and political style stuff in the States so that was kind of cool to be involved in Isn't that mighty um, I think I've, I'm in another Christmas film coming out in Sky and uh, another film I did with Pierce Brosnan recently and I don't know when that's out um, but that was good fun to work with him it's like you're sitting as, in a dressing room with James Bond and you're going this is a pinch say, you're, you're the only movie star I know so when I shake your hand I'm shaking the hand that shook <laughs> Pierce Brosnan <laughs> yes that's a variation on a theme yeah. but, but they, so Saturday Night at Brew Brew there, there's another is there not a gig in the source at some oh, yes. point yes. yes when is that do you know uh, oh that's not in January oh is it not I okay. think it's January February around that time uh, that's coming up yeah no in the next week or something we're kind of, it's like a mini tip tour. We're in Nina excellent in Tip Town and, and uh, a Brew Brew Cashel, of course. Yeah, very good. When when is the one in the Excel? Do you have a date for that? The Excel is two weeks time. I two weeks time. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. two 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 weeks time or so. So yeah. again, if people want to yeah. go online, there they'll they'll they can book tickets there. It's always a pleasure to see oh, you. Oh, you too, Frank. Uh, thank you so much. Indeed. My best of as well. Thanks thank very you. much, Pat. We'll take a break. Here. We have gardening on the way. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Kitty was on to us uh, to say that uh, Christy Short, that's uh, Pat's uh, late dad, uh, was the headmaster in Moyne and a gentle, kind man he was, says Kitty. That's a lovely tribute uh, to him, Kitty, and thank you uh, for that. And also hearing from my good friends at Nina Arts Centre, and they're telling me that Pat Short is also in North Tipperary, and Nina, in fact, at the Arts Centre there on October 10th. And uh, tickets available for that. That's Pat and Faye as well with uh, Knuckle Down. They're also there. Um, at the lovely Arts Centre in Nina. If you want to look that up, you can book tickets for that as well. All right, then, it is time for gardening. Glad to be joined, as usual, by Elton Nesbitt. Good morning to you, Elton. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you. There's been a lot of rain over the last while, Elton. Uh, not doing the garden any favours, I'd say, really. No, and uh, um, like it has been torrential, and a lot of places are, are waterlogged. But, I mean, really... Uh, it's a lovely time of year because um, there's lots, lots of colour uh, that are going to be exposed. Once all the leaves go off the trees, and you know you're going to have this kind of autumn colour, as well as um, once, once the leaves are, 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 are this is, uh, falling off, uh, it kind of exposes uh, the, the, the bark and the stems um, from what colour they have. And there's some lovely, let's say, really, uh, what I like at this time of year is to have a, a kind of planted winter garden mm. and have things that really give um, a fantastic winter colour throughout the whole winter. Um, and, and trees and shrubs will have fantastic colour um, even with the stems or even the bark of them as well. And really there's a, a, such a good selection of, of plants now available that you could have a, a beautiful colour right through the whole winter months. So things like don't you know, the lovely silver birch, um, everybody knows them. Gorgeous, They're lovely, yeah. the, the, the lovely white bark on them. Um, and then even at this time of the year, the, the lovely golden uh, foliage of the autumn colour uh, coming off them. But once all the leaves come off it, then you, it's exposing itself to, to the lovely white bark that it has. Now, there's a few varieties that are particularly good for that. There's a, um, a variety called Jetmontii, which is lovely white bark um, uh, silver birch, or there's one called Papyrifera. And the Papyrifera is lovely paper bark birch. And this is what you almost see peeling off off the trunk of the tree, and this lovely white white um, th- uh, stem uh, 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 appears uh, during the winter months, and it really is quite good because in the springtime, if you have that underplanted with uh, uh, the spring bulbs, and you'll have the lovely white bark and the lovely bluebells or the anemones or, or even the daffodils underneath it um, against the white bark is particularly good. And I always like to have the birches as, a, as almost like a multi-stem. Instead of having a single trunk on it, um, it's nice to, to, to cut it right down to nearly ground level. It will re-spout as a multi-stem birch, which will, will show off the colour of the bark an awful lot better for you as well. Um, and again, birch trees don't grow too large either. They're, they're very good for small gardens um, and because they don't, they're very dapple shading and they don't take over the place either. You know, they're, they're, they're quite nice. There's another tree then that's very good as well. It's the Acer Grisium. And the Acers are lovely at this time of the, uh, the year. You have that lovely Canadian wood look, the, the lovely um, different colours of the autumn leaves. But really, once the leaves have gone off it, um, Acer Grisium comes to the fore. And it has a lovely dark um, paper bark 
um, uh, trunk on it as well, mm. which is particularly good. And that's a lovely kind of rustic um, look in the garden. If you had, let's say, a cluster of uh, white paper, uh, white um, birch, and then the asegrisium planted in the middle of that, it just contrasts really well with each other. Other thing then that's lovely, and that's pretty unusual, I suppose, is the Ioannimus alatus. This is almost like the trivium. It almost has um, a, a, a triangular stem. Most stems are round in, in nature, uh, but uh, this has a lovely... Um, it's called the uh, cork-winged um, spindle tree. And the, with the spindle trees, are, uh, which is the type of Ioannimus, which has a brilliant autumn colour out as well, but with the Ioannimus latus, has a very unusual stem on it, and it's almost like a cork um, winged on it, uh, which is unusual uh, to the touch as well. Other things that are very good as well uh, for that kind of almost um, uh, unusual shape to them, I suppose, is the twisted hazels. And Corlus avalana contorta is a lovely twisted hazel. And that has the lovely little catkins then in the springtime, lovely little uh, yellow flowers that come out in it. But that, an awful lot of flower rangers now would use that at this mm. time of the year mm. for, for make, making arrangements. Or the lovely twisted um, willow as well, which is quite good um, for use as well at this time of the year. Other things then, of course, if you have, a, a, let's say, as you were saying, a very, very wet, wet garden, yeah. if, if you, there's lovely plants that you, you often see plants along the motorway, at the corners, the dogwoods, and uh, you often have the red stems or the yellow stems, or even in this lovely one called Midwinter Fire, which is almost an, uh, a coral, coral stem as well, which is particularly nice, almost an, uh, a pink-orange uh, stem on it. So if you have them planted in clusters and uh, down along the garden, and you'll have the lovely bright orange or the bright red or the bright yellow. And they're very good uh, in a lovely winter garden as well. They have a fantastic autumn colour from the, even the leaves at this time of year as well. But uh, again, very good for wet areas in the garden. I always like to interplant those plant, uh, uh, plants with lovely grasses as well. So they have lovely stems on them. And then the, the flowers tend to dry over the winter, which are particularly nice. So things like the miscanthus grasses, the real tall elephant grasses, they're particularly nice at this time of the year as well. And then you have that lovely plume, that lovely plume uh, flower that comes out in it. Almost like, don't you know, the uh, cortadiers, the pampas grasses. You can get those in the lovely, lovely uh, uh, pink, pink flower or even, even in the white. The Celangiana or, or even the, the uh, uh, rosé pink is particularly nice. And they have lovely arching uh, plumes that come out in them as well at this time of year. So really, they're kind of a must to have. Uh, yes. in, well, in but there's garden. no so excuse not to have colour in your garden at this time of year then. But yeah. really, uh, and, and they are magnificent, and they're quite easy yeah. to grow, and they're not, not fussy about um, soil type or anything like that, especially the cornices. I mean, they grow quite easily. You can even mm. take hardwood cuttings of them. They grow quite, quite simply. But, I mean, it's lovely to have I mean, in clusters of, of the lovely bright red or yellow or orange um, planted down along. And there's other lovely things as well. Is if you wanted more evergreen type plants mm. as well, right through the winter, or the lovely pam- or the, um, uh, arundin areas or the... Um, uh, uh, bamboos. Now these ha- are great um, vigorous plants as well and quite hardy but you can get them in lovely yellow stems or black stems as well and again they're very good in, in, in even containers that you have on the patio the, uh, or even um, have them out in, at the end of the garden because they always have a lovely screen and you'll have the lovely tall stems of the red and yellow uh, and black um, down along and again they're, they're, they're easy to grow so those kind of plants are very good 
to have in, so in your winter so garden. Lots of great ideas there. We have a lot of calls in about moss and I have to say, my own tarmac is gone mad with uh, moss. In fact, at this point, it's getting rather slippy as well. Is that the rain that's driving that on? It is. And always at this time of the year, you'll always get um, an awful lot of, of algae or moss growing um, in your tarmac atom or on your path as well mm. or on the patio. So really what I would tend to use is a thing called um, moss buster, a four-in-one moss buster, or even thing called chlorus as well on, on your, your concrete paths or, or patios or anything like that, and that would clean it up quite well. We also have a, a lovely product. Um, it's a tip-top drive clear. It's actually made here in Nina, and that, that uh, is a good product to use um, uh, on your, your patios and, and paths as well, and even on the tarmac atom. Now, what you use is, is one litre to five litres of water and do a, a spray of that over the, the affected area that has the algae or moss growing. And that will get rid of it within three days. All you do is then brush Very off good. any any excess okay. um, uh, on top of the, the, the ground. Very good. Lots of uh, other questions in. Ask Alton how to save dahlias uh, if you're leaving them in the ground over the winter. Yeah, really with dahlias, the, the, the whole thing is is, is to, to mulch on top of them after the, the first frost. You'll find that the folds will start coming back after the first frost. And once that happens, then uh, cut it uh, just to ground level, remove any of the, the stalks on it, and tend to leave the stalks lying flat on top of the tubers, and then mulch with either bark mulch or farm manure on top, just about, about a, a three-inch mulch on top. That, that three inches will protect it from any hard or severe frost at the, uh, uh, from getting damaged. Uh, by the tubers, you know, so it's a good idea to do that. Now, really, if you're going to, uh, if you're very exposed or it's a very open kind of garden and there's no, very little shelter, I would tend to lift them uh, and, and try and dry them out as much as possible. And use a thing called yellow sulfur dust, it's sort of like a fungicidal dust that you put onto the tubers, and that protects them from any rot or, or, or disease that may attack them, and store them in your garage, either with newspaper or, or dry, dry compost on top of them. And then once this uh, risk of frost is gone, let's say in the middle of May, mm. just plant them out in your containers and uh, they'll come up really, really well um, right through the whole uh, kind of mid to late summer, they, they flower quite well. Very good. How deep do you need to go to plant daffodils, says the listener? Uh, yeah, with daffodils really and, and really the, the rule of thumb with any spring bulb is we the twice the depth of the bulb. So, um, and all, I always think um, never plant, I often see people planting um, daffodil bulbs singularly uh, and you only have one one um, show of a daffodil. They're much better planted in clumps of five. So, so, so I have the five bulbs together. Plant them twice the depth of the bulb. Um, again, uh, if you're doing with um, uh, daffodils or if it's very wet ground, is, or especially with tulips or anything like that, is use a little bit of um, uh, gravel or sand at the base of the hole and then plant the bulbs into that. And they'll, they'll uh, grow quite happily then. But again, plant them just about twice the depth of the bulb. I have geraniums and uh, begonias outside in flower pots. They are now dying off. Should I leave them in pots outside or lift them up and put them into the garage? Also, if I have to lift them, do I just put them into flower pots with clay on them? I'm not a great gardener, but I don't want them to die as they were very expensive. Yeah, yeah, really. And, and begonias were absolutely magnificent right right to now. You know, they really were a, a, a great display. Uh, and we, what I, with any of the, the begonias particularly, I would tend to lift them and, and uh, store them inside in, in the garage. Again, using a dusting of um, the sulphur dust on top of the tubers uh, so, so that, um, uh, the, or the corms. Uh, is to protect them from any, any rot on them. Now, 
uh, I just cover them with, with a little bit of either uh, dry compost or even newspaper on top of them. And that will, will protect the, the corms from, from any damage from frost or anything like that. Now, with the the growings, it's very important that you allow them to die back as naturally as possible. Mm-hmm. So allow those um, uh, stems to, to really almost fall off themselves off the, the, the corm and then um, uh, store the, lift the, 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 uh, the growings up and store them in, in your garage and a newspaper or dry compost over them. A little dusting of, of these sulphur dust as well just to keep them nice and clean. Quite a few people looking for that um, a moss product. It's moss buster, isn't it? Yeah, you can use Moss Buster as the 4-in-1-1 um, if you're doing tar macadam. Or we do have a, a tip-top drive clear as well, which is particularly yours, um, or even the floors for concrete paths or, or um, patios. All right, so just a final one, Alton, if you would. I have a conservatory, uh, but it has no extreme temperatures at any time of the year. I'm wondering, could I sow pots of flowers in containers in it now? You can. And you see, there's lots of things that I would start off quite early um, so that you'll have good, a long season of flowers. Um, so things like, um, I, I would kind of sow any of the alpine plants. So things like abrishes, arbus, alison, saxatile, uh, even the kind of the perennial wallflowers uh, are quite good as well. Or even the sweet pea, you can start sowing them now so that you'll have, you'll have them growing on in, in your glasshouse. Again, if it is going to be minus five or anything like that, just cover them with a, a frost freeze and protect the seedlings from, from any, any frost, frost damage. And uh, they, they'll grow quite happily there. But they're all kind of the hardy um, uh, uh, annual plants that, 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 that's reduced. Or you use so any of the biennial plants as well. Things like sweet william are particularly good. Uh, the, 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 the wallflowers or a thing called calendula as well, the pot marigolds. Uh, a couple of our listeners concerned about the content of that moss-busting um, product as well, just wondering in terms of uh, will it kill bugs and wildlife and stuff? Uh, what, what? Uh, no, with, with the moss-buster, um, really what you do is use one litre to five litres of water and do a uh, spray over the area um, that, that is badly affected. Now, after um, six hours dryness, of course, so, so that it absorbs into the, the algae or into the gravel or the, or the, the, the concrete as well. So it, uh, after six hours, it's fine to let your, your, your dogs and, and pets out. There, there's no uh, residue of it as, as such. And um, so that, that keeps, keeps it very, very keen and, and gets rid of any, any um, moss or algae that's growing in, in, in that area as well. So again, if you, if you have six hours dryness, I know that's very, very hard to do at mm. the moment. Yeah. It's, it's been so wet but really it gets six hours dryness and then spray it over the area that's badly affected with the algae or moss that within um, three hours you'll see a, a, a significant difference and then within three days it's, it's like clean uh, properly clean as well so you'll have no algae or moss growing very good indeed Alton always good to talk to you happy gardening and thank you and good morning to you that's Alton Nesbeth our horticulturalist there that's it uh, for me Emma produced uh, Ali looked after our content today she was out and about for us and uh, Davin is on the way with the time tunnel I'll talk to you tomorrow you look after yourselves now won't you bye bye Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.